It's prediction time in Chicago. The 53-man roster is set, and with that in mind, we can finally predict dadgum win-loss record as well as who's going to lead the team in yards, what's going to go on on defense, and everything else to do with this 2023 season. Nick and I are going to take it away right here on Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us. I'm Robert Schmitz, the editor-in-chief of DeBear's blog. He's Nick Whalen, works for football guys, and has coached for pretty much his entire life. Nick, how you doing as we start talking about predictions? Uh, I'm good, man. This is this is going to be such a fun pod. Uh, one, because I don't know exactly where you're at. I know we're both, you know, Bears fans, but I think we're also realists, so it's going to be fun. I have a ton of data and I think this is going to be a really fun show for people to listen to. So I'm I'm pretty I'm excited. Oh, you've got data. Tell me what kind of data are we looking at? I have I have a ton of data because you know I I like to play poker. I like things because there's always going to be multiple layers of factors. You know, like right. poker. It's not it's not just your hand and the odds of hitting more increased odds when you know the flop and fourth and fifth street right. come out. It's what did my opponent do last time? How big is my chip stack? Where am I at, you know, from the right. dealer? All of these things are factors in the NFL schedule. I have a ton of things. So let's just start with the easiest one first. Ball ball. Okay. So I don't like strength of schedule based on how people did last year because so many things change. But I do like Vegas's win-loss record because they get paid a ton of money to not be wrong with the win-loss record. So they have the, you know, the line Chicago seven and a half right now. So in terms of that, adding all of that up, I got a lot of this from Sharp Analytics. I know people probably follow Sharp. Um, here's the strength of schedule based off of that win-loss record from Vegas. Chicago is the sixth easiest strength of schedule. I'll just go through the division just so people will know. Detroit's 11th easiest. Green Bay is 14th. And Minnesota 25th that's tough that's tough for minnesota i mean i i'm excited i can't help but think that this is about one of the most wide open nfc norths that i've seen in like five years and oh yeah it helps the bears that they get exactly that little bump but you know we got to talk through the teams that are on that win-loss record and do you have more data or are we going straight into oh i i've i've got I've got a ton of stuff. At some point, you might want to cut me off. So, okay, does strength of schedule even matter, right? I know sometimes it's, you know, does it matter? So here's a here's a stat last year. Give it. Six of the seven teams with the easiest strength of schedules made the playoffs. Six of seven. Dang. Only two of the bottom seven hardest schedules made the playoffs. So that, that sounds like a very significant factor to me. Right. This one... I don't know if you've ever, I've never even considered this until I read this article about this. And I was like, this makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I know we, we, you know, we have these Thursday night football games all the time and and it's just, it's kind of bad football, right? Like guys are tired. They're beat up. They're not healed yet. They're not prepared, whatever. Right. And all of that is determined off of rest. So another analytics thing that has been calculated here is the net rest. So the neutral rest that a team gets versus their opponent. Chicago is tied with two other teams for the NFL lead with plus 12 net rest versus their opponents in 2023. Okay, now again, does that matter? Last year, 
three teams had negative 10 net rest days or worse. Right. Green Bay, New England, and Houston. All three fell below their projected win-loss total. Two teams were plus, I believe, 12 in their net rest days. And that was Detroit. Man, Detroit had that big run at the end of the year. I wonder why they kept winning games. They were more rested than their opponents. And Buffalo, who crushed it last year. And that's without even factoring in Buffalo's game that didn't count, too. They still hit the over. Right. So, net rest sounds like it it, it factors in, <clears> right? <throat> Here's a little bit more data for you. And then we'll we'll go over some more of this. Last year, teams that had three or more net rest days, more than their opponents, won 57% of their games. After week 13, when teams are more tired because the season's going on, 55.2% of the time, the team that had more rest won. So rest sounds like it's really significant. The Bears have a ton of rest. They do. Now, yeah. th- those if, if memory serves, because I remember an infographic on this from like, what, February, March? This is a while ago. So the Bears do get like six of those rest days or something. Like they get a huge amount of rest from one of their, from their bye week, basically. Yep. Most people are positive in net rest for exactly that reason. So I think mm-hmm. it was what, three games in particular where they are plus rest over their opponent and then one where they're, they've got just got a ton of rest. Yep. Yeah, no, you're, you're correct. And actually, I'll go through that when we go through the win-loss schedule just so we're, mm-hmm. and then there's, so here's also something that's interesting, I feel like. So in the last three years, Chicago is zero and nine when their opponent has more rest than they do. Mm-hmm. But this upcoming season, Chicago is the only team in the it's NFL never. To, to not have less rest than their opponent. Never at so, all, which is crazy. That part, yeah. I remember now, is really bonkers where right. Chicago has all kinds of schedule-based advantages, you know, almost as if. Not, not that we need to get into this. Almost as if there is a higher power that thinks that it would be ratings gold if the Bears made a push for the playoffs. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Like, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. And 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 just looking at the division, so so Chicago's plus twelve net rest days. Right. Detroit is plus one. Green Bay is zero. And Minnesota, they had that magical run last year. They're actually negative two net rest days. Oh man. That's tough for everybody else. And again, a lot of the Bears' big total in net rest comes from one really sweet game, but I'll take it all the same. And we've got more data, don't we? Oh, yeah. So, and this is this gets me a little bit more juiced up. Just And these are, these are not maybe all total net rest days, but I mm-hmm. think time matters. So let's just look at the division games, okay? Right. Six division games. The first game, there can be no net rest advantage because it's the first game of the season. Everybody's Everyone rested. starts when they start. But they're at home as Jordan Love's second NFL start, which I think is an advantage. Now, there's five games left in the division. Every single one of those, Chicago has a net rest advantage of somewhat. So I'll go through them quickly. At Green Bay, end of the year, Green Bay plays Sunday night football the week before. Chicago doesn't. Minnesota, they play at home. Chicago plays Thursday night football the week before, so they get that extra like three days of rest. At Minnesota, Minnesota plays Sunday night football the week before. Chicago doesn't. And then Detroit home, Bears have the bye week ahead of time. And then at Detroit, Chicago has Thursday night football the week before and then plays Detroit. Does Detroit not play? I guess Detroit doesn't play on Thursday. That's a huge advantage for that game in Motown. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. That that goes understated because 
from a game planning perspective, look, I think I think rest is awesome, right? It, it, but it's a funky word when it comes to football because what I think we can forget about sometimes is that as I understand it, everybody gets off Monday and that's your ice bath day. That's your professional masseuse day. That's your trainers, trainers, trainers day. As you try to just rest out, like what recover is the better word when Alan Robinson suddenly looks like he's, cause I remember that video of him showing us how he recovers and he looks like he's been in a car crash like on Monday as he's going through all these ice baths to get back in football shape. Mm -hmm. You pretty much have to do some of your game planning, your positional meetings from the ice bath room when you're playing on Thursday night football and you just got out of a Sunday game. And say what you will about professional athletes, people can only pay attention and focus so hard. Like you're saying, it's why a lot of these game plans can be so thin. But for the Bears, they the fact that they get that whole week coming off of Thursday night football with Carolina is massive for a divisional game that if you don't mind me saying it, Nick, they shouldn't win. Like in if that no. game was true neutral, you should yep. lose that game. At home right. against Detroit? Are you kidding me? But, you know, a sloppy turnover or two flips a game on its head, especially a dome game for somebody with Fields' foot speed. And I can't help wondering, that one in particular, because not only... Okay, so... I've been watching a lot of baseball lately, which has not been okay. great for my heart and soul because the Texas Rangers are just losing constantly. But I, I, I'm a Cubs fan, so things are good here. It, it it got me thinking about these relievers that'll enter high leverage situations. And so a game like that, like that kind of rest advantage is a high leverage game because how much does it really help you to get a rest advantage over a game, a team that you were probably going to beat anyways? May help seal the deal because mm-hmm. any given Sunday. But... As neat as that is, it's overkill, right? That's exactly the kind of game, though, where if that evens the stakes and suddenly yes. the Bears come out on top, you're stealing wins out of what could have, maybe should have been a six or seven win season. Suddenly you could be as many as nine and eight and right. squeezing your way into the playoffs. Let, let me get you a little more juiced up just for that Detroit game. I told you I had a bunch of data, and which is funny because I'm a film guy, but I, I like all this stuff. You, you have to dabble to be, in it. You need a balance. So, so this at Detroit game that we play Thursday night football against Carolina the week before, right? Which mm-hmm. is home Thursday night football. You have to travel. Mm-hmm. So you're going to recover a little bit more quickly. Detroit plays at the Chargers. Okay. So that's a little bit more travel. It's a lot at of travel. 305 the game before. So they get three less hours and they have to travel. And the Bears have that Thursday night football the game before. So, so I think that's a, a much bigger rest advantage than people can think about. And for as many people as would out there and say, you guys are on crack. Uh, like, <laughs> why are we spending almost 10 minutes now talking about this? Think back. There's my favorite Bears example of this was when the Chargers in 2019 came to Chicago and mercifully failed to do nearly anything, but could not give the game away enough for Chicago to actually win. If everybody remembers, that was just this awful game. Phillip Rivers and the Chargers offense looked terrible. And why? It's because East Coast teams, wait a minute, West Coast teams, I get that mixed up too often, Nick, it's embarrassing, are awful at noon when they have to travel. Because Mm -hmm. to them, that's as early as 9 or 10 in the morning, and their bodies simply aren't ready for it. Apparently, the record, basically any time an 
a West Coast team has to travel more than two hours through time. It's just it's just awful, especially early in the season, which, Nick, that kind of stuff plays into your schedule. Yes, of course, injuries matter. Who's to say that when the Bears visit Minnesota in week, what is that, 12, right before their bye, that Mm -hmm. either team looks anything like they do on week one simply because of injuries. But rest and prep go into everything which is yep. part of why i mean if anything i think it's it's what makes week 1 so interesting because both teams have some serious new pieces to hide what they would want to do on offense what does the newly expanded passing playbook look like for chicago because it should be there well we don't really know yet what is jordan love going to focus on we may have a guess but we don't really know yet plus he's playing with all kinds of rookies that is going to be a bizarre ungame planned week Like the coaching advantage, whichever way you think it is, because I'm not about to declare that Matt Eberflus is or isn't uh, the equal of Matt LaFleur. You can make that decision for yourself, dear listener. But the coaching advantage gets a little bit muted in a game like that because you kind of have to walk in with your game plan over a well-tailored game plan against the opponent when as well as you think you know them there's just so many questions on offense that you won't see answers best case scenario until halftime right no i i agree with you i have one other quick give it to us stat and then and then let's get into it because i think we're you know i don't right. lose anybody I, I just think this stuff is fascinating so one score games right oh Chicago the bears was were in- awful weren't they one and seven one and seven and one score games. And and you have to think those, they have to even out. Everyone talks about Minnesota winning a bunch of those last year. Chicago's on the other end of that. You know, the Amir Smith-Marset, you know, fumble, the the drops in the end zone, the Economy of St. Brown dropping, the non-interference call on Claypool. Like you had all those things in. A lot of bad luck happened. So you think those even out. And I'll give you actually one more quick one. Yeah. Last year, Chicago allowed four touchdowns that were not by the defense. They had a punt block Miami return for a touchdown. They allowed a kick return for a touchdown. They had an interception return for a touchdown and they had a fumble return for a touchdown. Chicago scored zero touchdowns that way. Right. You got to think that's got to even out. And what was really crazy to me. So you mentioned the one and seven thing. Obviously the bears went three and 14. You got to lose games somehow. Right. But what blew my mind, Nick, Watching those games, okay, let's call a spade a spade. Justin Fields and the Bears built one of the most diverse and authentic rushing attacks that the NFL has seen for an awfully long time. I would probably have to go back to either, I mean, not really 2022 Detroit. They have a lot of things that they try, but they aren't as successful, I would say, as the Bears rushing attack was. I'd have to go back to Lamar's MVP season where he helped kind of create a similar effect inside of the Ravens offense that they weren't able to imitate in years going forward. Knock on wood, because I hope that's not the case for the Bears. Mm-hmm. I hope they're able right. to imitate just as dangerous a rushing attack. But you would expect that in these late game scenarios, Nick, the Bears passing offense was just the death of them and that they had no way to move the ball. But I remember all of those games, and in all of them, it was not the passing offense itself's fault that the game ended the way it did. Like, Emir Smith-Marset's fumble, we've all been through this, but we're going to go through it again. Emir Smith-Marset's fumble, 
In the Detroit game, there's this knee-on-knee moment where Cole Kmet is about to spring wide open, uh, wide, wide open for like a 30-yard gain, but he and the inside linebacker go knee-on-knee, and Fields can't quite curl the ball back far enough. It's that second and 10. The Bears fans, if you go back to it, looks like Fields tries to pull the ball back down, but can't quite in time. The All-22 shows Cole Kmet about to be wide open. Instead, he gets hurt. You have the Mooney bobble right in the end zone, but the play before that, Dante Pettis drops a ball that hits him stone in the chest. Like, you can go through all these games. The Bears were moving the rock. The Claypool game, is that the same one in Miami where Equidamius St. Brown drops a gimme that hits him in the hands? Like, on fourth down? It's so goofy. Looking back at these late game scenarios, because I would have expected the Bears didn't have the tools to have a chance in most of those games, but they did move the ball. I was there. We all Mm -hmm. watched it. And and it's just bizarre, because like you're saying, you'd think that the ball would swing back the other way. The ball has a habit of not lying. I mean, the better team won in most of those cases, but it is bananas thinking about how a couple plays the Bears way, and they probably are realistically, Nick, okay, heart and soul, I'm going to put you on the spot. What record do you think that that team deserved? Last year? Yes. I would say four or five wins. I would say, I would put it at five and a half. Just my heart and soul, I think that Justin Fields had squeezed out enough points in a lot of those games to where a defensive stop one way, because I swear the defense never, like if Fields did take the lead late in the game, the defense would give it right back and create another clutch, gotta have it situation. But as as a true tanker though, Robert, I was okay with it. Oh, it's totally fine. You know, because I I loathe Green Bay. Oh yeah. And when they were up in that game, Late in the season, I was like, okay, guys, like we need to find a way to lose this one. So, That's what I was thinking. And I loathe Green Bay. And so, I, don't, I don't want them to make the playoffs, but I still had that mindset. I don't want to go there. We're not going to make this conversation, this conversation. But I will say, to me, Nick, I don't know if Luke Getze disagreed with you because it sure felt like with a bunch of screen calls and rushing calls, the Bears were waiting around for Green Bay to get back in the game mm-hmm. and right after halftime as if somebody made a phone call somewhere, but we don't need to go there. I'll tell you the hardest part about being a film analyst or trying to take football seriously is when a team is as bad as the Bears were last year because I think it calls everything into question. Where you sit there, I had people asking me nearly every week, well, Robert, what do the Bears do to fix their defense? And I was like, they need better defensive linemen. Like, you just can't win with this. And it'd be like, well, so what what schematically could you do? And it's like, seriously, not much. You don't have nearly any matchup advantages on the defensive Mm. line. And I've actually been pleasantly surprised, by the way, with what specifically Justin Jones and Andrew Billings did in the preseason. It's the preseason. Who's to say it matters? But when they get one-on-ones, they do win a play or two, which say what you will, they didn't last year. The Bears defensive line. And you just need, like, I'm not asking this defense. I don't know how you're feeling because everybody will talk about the Matt Eberflus defenses that they or that he was able to basically rise up from the dead in 2018 2019 and 2020 and i look at those rosters and i see a lot of underrated players like kenny moore hadn't blossomed yet and Mm -hmm. we look back and we go okay well who was that guy and it's like one of the best nickel corners in football Uh, but he's good yeah it's like Danico autry for instance is a better run defending also a little bit of pass pressure edge than people give him credit for i'm talking about all the kinds of guys 
that if you talk to Colts fans, they would tell you that those players were pretty good. But Grover Stewart wasn't a household name until 2021. Even then, he's not really a household name. Even so, Nick, I just need the Bears to not massively lead the league in touchdowns. They were 50, they allowed 57 touchdowns. They allowed more points than anybody else, and they only faced the 24th most offensive plays. So they allowed the most points and they faced a below average number of plays. This is not a good pair, Nick. This, well, I, 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 I have yeah. some worse stats for you if you want. I mean, 32nd and points allowed per drive. Yep. 32nd and third down percentage. Yep. They just allowed people to convert. 31st and yards allowed per play. Yep. And I mean, seriously, sometimes yeah. I would swear that the only reason that that came down was because of how often they got to third and one and teams just lined up and pushed the ball over the end. <laughs> like I, but so it's, it's bizarre. Not, not really because Arizona second on that touchdowns list, 51 touchdowns. So the bears were six touchdowns ahead of second yeah. worst. Like yeah. the bears need in the worst. Like, so to one more statistic before we finally get to some actual predicting in case any bears fan is out there listening that has needed this statistic. A lot of people will point to fields being terrible, despite the fact that the wide receivers were awful. We all knew this. The offensive line was not very good. And the bears scoring total wasn't bottom five, but it was 23rd. If you look at points per drive, Nick, it's higher than that. So the Bears were 19th in points per drive on the offensive side of the ball, which I find incredibly interesting because to me, the fact that that's higher than their points per game reminds us the Bears didn't actually get as many drives as a standard offense because the defense took too long to get off the field, which again creates this interesting story of what would the points per game have been if the Bears were given the same amount of offensive chances as other teams and mm-hmm. or now that they've got better better receivers because the Bears were, I think, below average in explosives uh, last year. But again, their talent wasn't great. And no. I mean, if we're, because we're in the name of being honest on this show, I know you are. I'm I really work hard to be. Uh, so if I ever sound like a negative Nancy, know that I'm not happy about it either. This Bears mm-hmm. offensive line right now is probably not as big of an upgrade as Ryan Poles was hoping it would be. Just nope. with the questions surrounding Nate Davis, Tevin's already hurt. Uh, Darnell Wright has missed a little bit of practice time, which you know what? For rookies, every single week is critical. Every mm-hmm. single game rep matters. And you know they wanted to play him on week three of the preseason. They didn't get the chance to. So whatever he was going to look like then, he's going to have to look like live against Rashad Gary. It could mm-hmm. be a rough couple first first few weeks. I expect Wright to be a easy candidate. Easy candidate, Nick. If we're being realistic because a ton of people are going to talk about how improved fields is there's a chance fields trots out the exact same skill set he did last year and still pops 45 more yards per game in his passing purely because of the wide receivers around him we can say that out loud i hope he takes an extra step and ends up at like 210 215 with 35 45 rushing yards per game this would all be awesome but when I look at Darnell Wright, I think that from week fit, week one to week 18, he has a real shot at being the Bears' most improved player, but that that means the offensive line to start the season could be a bit of a weakness, which affects the win-loss totals a little bit. But moreover, Nick, as we get into predicting, I think the scariest part that I look at this schedule and predict is that starting with Green Bay and then going to Tampa, 
who has a very aggressive defense with a very aggressive defensive line, then playing the Super Bowl champions, and then coming back and facing one of the biggest question mark teams in football this year in Denver, I think that there are a lot of people who are going to be really focused, a lot more focused on Fields' first four weeks than his next four weeks, fair or not. And if Fields Fields throws for 1,500 yards, weeks five through eight, people may get back in the game, but 1,500 yards is a ridiculous total. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Well, in um, yeah, I think I, I just saw something from Jonathan Wood. Uh, he posted that the year three breakouts that, that I think we're all envisioning, the Jalen Hurts one, the Josh Allen one, they've all started year three hot. And if he doesn't do it through four weeks, maybe give him a, a couple more weeks after that. If he doesn't start hot there, it might be okay, this is who he is. So I think it's super critical. Now, he faces some decent defenses there. You know, they're not all, you know, cupcakes. I know that has a factor in this, but it's time for Justin Fields to to, to put up at this point. Now, oh, yeah. you added some more stats though. Mm-hmm. So that means I have to add more stats because I love this stuff. Please. When things changed in, in week seven with New England, right? The whole offense right. changed. From week seven to week 16, because week 17... There was no Mooney, no Claypool, and Fields was injured, and he didn't play week 18. From 7 to 16, Chicago averaged, and, th- and that's also with the, the one start with Simeon against the Jets, the Bears were 12th in offensive points per drive, which Ooh. is significant. Justin Fields had a QB passing rating. We're not talking about QBR, not his rushing. Passing rating of 98. If he just maintains a 98 with better weapons, with should be a better O-line. Don't know how much better, but should be better. Hope it's better. <laughs> if, he is only, if he just maintains a 98, breakout season this year. Oh, yeah. But again, I think that word breakout season, man, I thought it was a lot cooler when I didn't, when I wasn't a film head. Because there's some of this stuff where people talk about something like it's a breakout season. Okay, I'm going to use a silly metaphor. It's like when you find a really sweet song by a local artist. And then it hits the popular radio a year and a half later and people tell you, man, have you heard this new song? And you've been like, where you been? There's an element of that when it comes to Fields. Like if let's say Fields sticks exactly where he was, because I thought he was playing really solid quarterback against Philadelphia and against Buffalo and that the team wasn't living up to task. If he does that, then there are going to be a lot of people saying, wow, Fields looks a lot better. And it'll be like he looks no yeah. different, but I'm happy you think so. Uh, yeah. like, he, he kept progressing. Just turn on the tape. Yeah, exactly. And so the people are craving win-loss totals. Let's start at the top, then It'll we'll get it. granular. We'll talk about each game, and then we'll talk about some superlatives at the end. I sure. like to divide these things into what I think will happen and what I hope will happen. I hope that with all the rest advantages that you talked about and with – uh, a couple penalties kind of go in the Bears' way, as well as a couple favorable bounces of the football. The Bears go somewhere between 9 and 10 and 10 and 7. 10 and 7 is like the dream number. Look, I, I would love for the Bears to win 10 or 11 games, but I feel like the team is just a little too young. Tyler Scott's going to need to make some plays here and there, and he's going to mm-hmm. biff some plays because he's a rookie. He's going to line up in the wrong spot like we just saw him do in preseason game three. He's going to drop a football. He's going to do this or that. We don't know. He'll miss a block more than likely. I feel like Tyler Scott would be the guy who'd miss some key block on a crack toss mm-hmm. play on third down and end up with a loss of yards, and people would be like, Luke Getz is an idiot. You know, everything we've seen before but so 
I think the Bears are are bang on seven and a half. Like maybe even I hope the ball bounces the right way and they end up an eight win team, but I could easily see one more cruel bounce the wrong way because I'm a Bears fan. I've basically never had good things in my life. And so as far as the heart season that I am preparing for, my benchmark is you can't lose six games. You can't lose or whoa, you can't win only six games with a full season of Justin Fields and have me be content with it. Like mm-hmm. there's a wide band to me of how this team could perform. But as far as acceptability standards, uh, somebody, somebody gets fired, whether it's Alan Williams, whether it's Luke Getze, whether it's Justin Fields or a combination of a lot of these. If the Bears only step up from three to six, I've got a problem. But other than that, I am happy to sit back in my chair and watch whatever happens because <laughs> it's football and the Bears are, they look like they've got the tools to be a an NFL football team again. And that's awfully fun. How are you feeling about this season? Um, well, so, you know, we obviously have this this biased lens, I think, that we can look through as Bears fans, right. even though we do, we do look into the film more and you think of like, well, look at all the additions that they made. Well, Every team makes additions every year, you know, even Minnesota is like, well, yeah, we lost some guys on defense, but look at Marcus Davenport, you know, like they'll, they'll, you you can, you can, you know, shift things to make it positive for you. Um, I, I do, I do think you could make an argument that every single position in Chicago, besides maybe fullback and long snapper will be better in 2023, even we had talked about things bounced the wrong way in 2022. Even Cairo Santos make an extra point, man, and things are different against Detroit. So I think you can make the argument that everything is better. But when I dove in and added all those stats and the rest and deep random scores, like I, I, I literally rewatched the whole season. I watched this season three times. I forgot Miami blocked a punt, returned it for a touchdown, and we lost by three. I was like, we should have won that game. Like, right. and that was Miami when they didn't have the two concussion stuff going on. And I was like, man, like we were in all these games. We had no business being in these games with a terrible defense. I will say it a terrible pass blocking O-line and right. 30th or worst receiving crew. And that's not what we're going to have this year. So my realistic heart of hearts, I, I don't see us on the under of seven and a half. I see it get it, eight Nick. or nine wins get it, is where I see it. Now, if things hit, because things could hit. You talked about the Colts defense and how they overachieved is kind of what people would say. You get some of the, the things in place and we have better health, maybe. You could maybe get to 10, 11. Who knows how it works out? But that's about where I'm at right now, eight or nine wins. And then let's go through the schedule. Okay. Yes. And I will talk through it a little bit and and then we got to talk through some of the other stuff. So, and if you don't mind me saying it, I just want to jump on and say, I think after the last three years, Nick, I am just about heartbroken. Like I, I can't do faith anymore. I was there with Trubisky, right? I was, I was in that trench ready to prove everybody wrong. And then in 2020, I got in with Foles. In 2021, I was ready for Fields. In 2022, I did see it coming. So that one didn't break me nearly right. as badly. Yep. That was actually that was actually great. It, it's yep. more like it, I want to be, I hope, if I'm hitting this right, I sound like it, the most positive person that's also saying, show me. Because I do you know how big of a smile 
I will have eating any crow I'm served if the Bears win the division as a nine and eight team or contend for a wild card spot, whether they come up short or squeak into the playoffs. Like all that would rule. I would love it. The stuff we could make, like the breakdowns we could put out, not only would people want to watch them, they would be fun to talk about because the Bears would be a flat out fun football team. Well, well, but Robert, Robert, add on top of that, two first round picks next now year. all of this all the salary cap space we have people want to come to chicago because they see what's building like right everything goes on top of it so if you get that momentum now you're at the, the top so of the hill good. and you just have the roller coaster and whoosh it just goes right downhill it'd Easy. be so good it'd be so good and i think after specifically the 2020 season like the 2019 season was bad and a lot of us didn't yeah. see it coming the 2020 season was soulless like it just felt terrible to me watching that whole team. And I think after that one, I want to see the defensive line prove it to me. Like I just talked about how I'm relatively upbeat about what Justin Jones and Andrew Billings showed us. And I am, but I also like, let's go through the game to game because you'll hear me probably say it a lot where having disadvantages. Let's do you mind if I start talk about week one? Yeah, Green Bay. Let's go. Home against Green Bay. The Bears have to overcome the fact that I don't know how they're going to create pressure with their front four, especially if David Bakhtiari, because honest to goodness, no voodoo doll intended, I didn't actually think that Mr. Glass was going to get to week one. I mean, I was just ready for Bakhtiari to get hurt again, right? Um, He's still not there. Is he not in practice or is he just not? There. He hasn't practiced the last two days. Now they say precautionary. It, it, it's been rumored he's not going to play any games on turf this year. What? Well, Lambeau is grass. So, right. no, wait. So is the Bears. Well, I, I, how about this? Before you predict the Green Bay game, I'm going to give you a couple of injury things that we'll talk about in our next episode of our game preview. But Rashawn Gary is reportedly going to be on a pitch count. So we're not going to get a full right. on Rashawn Gary that game. And Romeo Dobbs, who I actually like him. I think he's a decent player. He's got a hamstring injury right now. And his week one game against Chicago is in doubt. On top of Bakhtiari, we'll see what happens there. Well, I can't help but think that this entire season, this first time I'll say it, and I'm going to try to keep it to only saying this four times, um, but this entire season is borderline cinematic. I don't know if you could write a movie script better for a trial season for a quarterback. Because week one starts off with a game against the team that we hate the most, and their offense should struggle. It would be yes. weird if they don't. It would be borderline masterclass by by Matt LaFleur, and it would be disaster class by Alan Williams to let a receiver room with, to your point, one healthy player, or not one healthy, but like one healthy, experienced receiver in Christian Watson experienced yeah he's a second year i love christian watson i think he slaps i think honestly i still think nick that the packers are better set up for the future than the bears fans than bears fans will want to admit i think and i'm public saying this that jordan love is going to get all of the blame for the different things that rookie and young receivers do wrong and then would you believe it? If Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of his snaps, Green Bay also has two first round picks. Yep. And man, wouldn't it be easier for them to just draft like a Quinn Ewers, like that guy that sits every year in the like nine to 12 region. 
like a perfectly good toolsy quarterback that might need a year. Like you let love ride things out as a bridge starter and you start him the year after that. And your cap room is clean. It makes too much sense to me. This is the bears best shot at punching green Bay in the mouth, but they ain't going to win the game. If Justin Fields and the offense don't lead from the front, because Mm -hmm. this team isn't built for the defense to win them games. Would love to see it. The defense at its best should be punchy, should be scrappy, should get theirs back, but they'll give up plenty you know, like over the course of this year. And well, I, I would argue Green Bay set up the same way. They're, they're built on run, which their offensive line is way better pass blocking than run blocking, but they're built more to run the ball. I do like both of their backs. Play action, hit Musgrove. Play action, hit Watson. But as you talked about with young guys, they're all young. They don't even have all like the, they don't have a third year receiver. Sammy Watkins guy to teach him how to watch film guy in the room. And it's the, on the, purpose. They did yeah. this on purpose, which to me is ridiculous. Like I, I can't help but think Bad. that it's not like Randall Cobb would have been it, but they go to the huddle. Who's going to tell them besides the wide receiver coach where to do what? Right. And I will see how much veterancy matters, but I can't help looking at this game Man, I think it's I think it's a true toss up. Like it helps that it's in Chicago. Uh, but part of me just has been little brothered by the Packers so many times, so many times that Tevin Jenkins being out has me pretty freaked out. Partially because Nick, when you look at this Packers defense on paper, the talent level is disgusting. Like no, see, no, I'm I'm gonna say fight no. Fight me, fight here's, me. Here, here's what I'm upset about. Okay. Nikhil Harry's a former first-round pick. Yes. Laquan Treadwell's a former first-round pick. That's all we hear about. Darnell Savage is trash. Oh, I don't like Savage or their safeties. I think their safeties are terrible. They might be the worst in the NFL in terms of safeties. Eric Stokes isn't playing. Rashawn Gary's on a snap count. Right. Uh, Devontae Wyatt has looked bad in the preseason despite being a first-round pick. I'm holding on to my priors with Wyatt. I'll admit it out loud, Nick. I thought Wyatt looked awesome in his college tape. I'm So I, I look at them and I see Kenny Clark. I see a very, very good Preston Smith edge two, very good edge two, if we're on the same page. And yeah, I think he's a decent player. Yeah. A Rashawn Gary that can hurt you. But hey, he, countering myself, Rashad Gary's coming off an ACL. No way. He has the burst that he has in week eight. Like he's let alone week eight. A week right now. And practice is one thing, but that body just can't have it right? Elite players like Khalil Mack, their 85 is NFL level. So you'll see them come back from injury earlier because they can hang at NFL level despite having a hand tied behind their back. But I look at like Quay Walker's fast side to side. Jair's not going to be easy to go up against. And I, I don't know, Nick. I mean, it is crazy to me how many resources the Packers have spent on their defense, but I didn't start that conversation to say the Packers defense is amazing. I think Joe Barry has done an amazing job of squandering the talent that's on that <laughs> defense year after year after year. Now they're doing more stuff up front. So Barry's I, I've always seen Barry as a throw it at the wall and see what sticks guy. They don't really have a philosophy so much as they have a bunch of ra- a patchwork of random ideas. And they run a bunch of exotic coverages to intentionally try to be confusing. And in my opinion, their defense would be better if they just lined their guys up and played. Right. Right. So right. hopefully well, they don't do that. <laughs> right. right. Well, and there, there's two things. One is we can't spend 10 minutes on every game. We're not going to get through this I thing. I want to. <laughs> well, I, I know. I know. But the other thing I want to say this is, is Quay Walker was bad as a rookie. 
And that whole defense is not good against the run. None no. of them. Kenny Clark has been regressing. It, uh, it has to be, to your point, Nick, it has to be a culture thing. Like, I, I'm not going to say that about many defenses. They've got guys that can stop the run, right? They just don't. No. <laughs> you well, know what I'm saying? And, well, and they like to play too high, too, which which hurts your numbers. But but Quay, if you want to look at what Quay Walker could be, you, you they're hoping at some point, even though he didn't come to the NFL at the same age, you're hoping he's going to be a Tremaine Edmonds. That's the type of he is. He's like this athletic right. guy who's good in coverage, but he's bad against the run. And, and Edmonds had that big jump last year, even though he's probably like maybe a year or a year and a half older than than Walker. But and, and also you mentioned the Georgia thing. None of those Georgia guys have really panned out yet. If we're thinking about this, Jordan Davis and, you know, they're keep kind of going through. It's such a nightmare for draft mm. analysts, too. Because mm. you're watching this tape where these guys look objectively good and then they graduate to the NFL level and you're like, well, obviously I knew support structure mattered, but what on earth is happening here? Right. Yep. But like so, you said. So anyways, week one, mm-hmm. who's winning? I, I have to take the Bears because to me, I think that the Bears entire mental like stability hinges on this game. Maybe not literally. They're probably mentally tougher than that, but they got to be thinking it too, right, Nick? That they just lost 14 games. You want to purge the stink of a of a horrible season? You roll out week one at home in front of your home crowd and establish yourself. They yep. have they have to win this game, right? Yeah. And well, well, I other things we've talked about this on previous podcasts. I have them winning this game. We talked about the injuries. That's going to hurt them a little bit too. We talked about how young they are. And both of their specialists are rookies. It's their first NFL game. I don't think that I think Green Bay is going to make too many mistakes. Jordan Love's second start in the NFL. You don't think you don't think Eberflus and Williams are going to put some exotic stuff, things, God, things he hasn't have, seen. I hope it's he's exotic. This, if they run he's in this pretty pocket in the preseason. Oh, look how good he looks in the preseason when nothing matters. You don't think they're going to they're going to have some zone blitzes. They're going to stunt some things and mess with things. And you don't think Eddie Jackson's going to bait him. I I just think that it, there's too many young guys that have to do well to beat Chicago. So I have I have Chicago winning week 1. How about week 2? Week 2, week 2 at Tampa, the defense has to come through. I think they win this game, but they could lose it. Like a, a strip sack can completely flip this one, but the I, I don't believe the hype in the renewed Baker Mayfield. We hear this every year with any team that is taking a quarterback off the reclamation pile, especially a quarterback that's now on what his fourth team. Like, I'm pretty sure he is what he is. And that's okay. The Bucks' weapons are sweet. But Jalen Johnson doesn't get near enough credit. And I think if Mike Evans was able to outspar Jalen, this matchup, honest to God, Nick, might flip a little differently. But I think Jalen's better than the current Mike Evans. And that's big because now you've got a Chris Godwin that's coming off of his ACL injury. You've got a talent or you've got a Bears defense that should be able to contend against the passing game and a bears offense that again this is totally just my hope but they should be able to score probably 20 points relatively reliably so long as fields hamstrings stay intact how are you feeling about this mm-hmm. one well i like tampa's defense a lot better than their offense i mean i oh, mean yeah. they have they I mean they have vitavea they have the 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 detack from pittsburgh went there you know the quick guy um and i uh, can't see um they have is Kansi healthy? Because I know he got hurt early. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, they still have good linebackers. They signed Jamel Dean, who I wanted Chicago to sign. Mm-hmm. They still got Winfield. So they, they have a nice structure there. Got a but then you defense. look at, what well, what is bad with Chicago's defense? 
run stopping. Tampa Bay's running back room is not good. And they just lost their center, which is really sad news. Uh, I think it was Ryan Jensen mm-hmm. for the year. And that's that's the basis for everything. Yeah, I like Christian Wirfs as well. But if you're not going to run the ball in Chicago, I, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid of that team. So I know and- it's on the road. It's at Tampa but I'm going to give Chicago the win. And this is going to sound so hokey, but so far it has held true that defensive coordinators are not doing well against Fields the first time they see him. The book isn't out yet on how you stop Justin Fields, and that speed keeps surprising people. So as aggressive as Tampa is, it's just going to take one blitz where they send Devin White on a suicide blitz and Fields squeezes out of the right side of the pocket, suddenly gets vertical on like a 34-year-old is he Levante David, and he may be off. <laughs> and again, in a game like that, Nick, one rushing touchdown from, from distance can tilt the game in a massive way. So oh, yeah. let's get to week three. Do we need to talk about them playing Kansas City? Not really. At Kansas City, I mean, no, again, we I, we talked about this before the pod started, but all of these games, it's not like 100% this has happened. There's a range of outcomes, okay? So, like, there's, there's a chance that Chicago can win every game. There's a chance that they could lose every game. And, for example, last year, Chicago beat the 49ers, and Kansas City lost to the Colts. So there's a range of outcomes to think about here. I think of the, the the range of outcomes here. Let's just go with Kansas City wins that game at Kansas City. Makes too much sense. And then they take on Denver the week after that at home. How are you feeling about the Sean Payton Denver Broncos? So I'm going to add in these stats as we go. So Chicago plays home against Denver. Yeah, Sean Payton's there. Who knows what's happening with Russ? Now, they played at Kansas City at 325 the week before. So while it's not a huge rest, it's, you know, three and a half hours mm-hmm. in the road. I'm going to give Chicago the loss against Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, good defense. I think Sean Payton is a, a pretty good offensive mind. And also, just in terms of just odds, I think Chicago is going to go on a two-game losing streak here. So I'm going off of anecdotal evidence here. I don't have anything that proves it. But in my experience, aging quarterbacks fall off as the end of the season approaches. I mean, I remember back to Favre's late years. We've seen it a a little. No, I can't bring up Brady. But we've seen it with Manning in particular, where in that last Super Bowl season, he started to kind of fall apart. So did Phillip Rivers. We're still in September. No, we'd be just early in October, and Russ shouldn't be there yet. And I tend to think that, like you're talking about, the Denver defense, look, I'm not sour on the Fangio style. I love the Fangio style of defense, but I always get worried around year four of when a defense gets popular, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is the point when offensive coordinators should be putting their heads together on how to beat this Broncos defense. But that really won't kick in until like week 10, right? The Bears are catching the Broncos at the wrong time. It's okay to say it. And after what we hope are two early season wins, they take two losses. I bet it's close. I bet even that we come back to this podcast, at least I hope, and say the Bears could have won that game if, I don't know, um, Trent Taylor hadn't dropped that punt or yeah, something yeah. like that. You know right, what I yep. mean? Yep. But, but we'll give them the loss as we go to Washington. What happens there? At Washington, I'm going to give Chicago the win. I think they, they avenged the loss from the previous year. Um, Chicago is, this is a Thursday night football game, by the way. Um, but... They played at home the week before. So, you know, that helps a little bit um, that they didn't have to to travel so they can rest up and then travel to Washington. They don't have to travel home. And then, you know, they have the Thursday night game. So they have a little bit more rest, I would think, on an average Thursday night game. 
Um, I don't trust Sam Howell. I mean, I think there's a lot going on with that Washington team. They have a really good defensive line. Yep, I'll give them that. But that's week five. Tevin Jenkins could be back by week five, and that's a great thing for playing Washington. I think, Nick, we should go all the way there. We're, we're a smart football podcast. Let's bring, We've brought in rest days. Let's bring in a little more. The okay. Washington Commanders are softly tanking. It's very obvious. We knew this because Ron Rivera didn't get fired because there's a change in ownership coming. Washington beat writers at late last year opined and whined about how they knew no change was coming because everybody was going to get the house was going to get cleaned as soon as the ownership transaction finally happened. And the new owner came in and got to make their mark. Sam Howell as a quarterback is not serious. But unfortunately, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, and that D-line, they are very, Chase Young. They are gravely serious. And honest to goodness, I think that makes this one a toss-up, especially because they're playing it in Washington on a low game plan week, like Thursday night. So that's just line up and play ball. And man, Fields just about died. There's a hit that I think Jonathan Allen delivered on Fields' knee when it was fully extended as he was driving a ball downfield that I still can't believe his career survived. Like, it almost feels like a borrowed time kind of hit. So I look at this, and I think it's going to be another sloppy, messy, ugly football game. I think that what the enemy and the uh, commander's offense could put together may overcome Chicago. But if Chicago, if you told me crystal ball that Chicago was able to hang 17 points on the commanders, I think they take the win home. So it's just a matter of how you feel by that, but to keep yep. things, cause I know I said, I think that they're going to win seven. Let's give this one a loss because I don't know how many of these we're going to have. Okay. We're different. I, I got one. You we got to be okay. different. We got to be different somewhere. Sure. Then All we right. go, then we welcome Minnesota. How you feel? I have this as a win. I, I, you would. You know, because <laughs> Chicago played that Thursday night football. Right. The week before, they get they get an extra about three days of rest here. It's a home game. And the Vikings, they're going to pass the ball, I feel like, 700 times this year because that's what they're geared up to do with Hawkinson and Addison and Jefferson. The running game isn't that great. They don't run the ball a whole lot. That defense there there's basically three guys that I, I I know on that defense and 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 I know a lot about football the the corners they're going to put out there is worse than what Chicago put out there late in the season last year that they have a couple of draft picks that can't even get on the field Louis Sion and then um uh, Booth Andrew Booth the corner from Clemson they can't even oh, get on good. the field which is is kind of embarrassing I know there's some injuries going on but still like that's a very talentless defense and you want to put Brian Flores out there and he's going to be super aggressive with it. Well, you can be aggressive when you got J.R. Alexander and whoever else matching up on your receivers. You can't be aggressive when there's holes open in your defense. So I think that one could be a blowout. I have known Flores to be a blood from stone kind of coach. That Those Miami teams gave him next to nothing, and he delivered results anyways. But like you're saying, this Minnesota defense is going to be a real test, especially because I don't know. I just don't know how well cover zero is going to blend against a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields. It blended very well against Lamar Jackson. So that's not great news. But if the blitzes don't get home or if Fields can work his way out of them, especially because the Bears, I would argue, like to move the pocket a little bit more than Lamar and Greg Roman's attack did. It's weird offense that they've had in Baltimore for forever. I think there are a lot of toss-ups on this schedule, man. But... 
I do think the Bears get this one. Uh, at least I do. They've got too much. They're coming off. You said they're coming off Thursday night, right? Yep. I think yep. that's just too much of an advantage, uh, especially mm-hmm. in an in-division game where the Bears are going to have a lot of things going their way. It'll be tough to stop Justin Jefferson, but this one, Bears score 23 points and they're probably over the hump. Well, and they're, and it's a home game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, you, you had all that together. Okay. Next game is home against the Las Vegas Raiders, which still never sounds right coming out of my mouth, but whatever. That's that's the team and where they're playing now. Um, the Raiders play at three, uh, 3 o'clock the week before. So, Chicago played at home, played Minnesota, the regular routine, played at home again, and the Raiders have to travel from the West Coast. And they have a little bit less rest than Chicago does. I have Chicago winning that game because I think the Raiders are going to be one of the bottom four teams in the NFL this year. You said they were going to win eight to nine games, right? I have not. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, eight or nine. Yep. Do you have like a massive losing skid coming up? Because you're already at five, aren't you? I'm, I'm five and two right now. Yep. <laughs> I think, five and two. I, I think that. So when I go through the Raiders roster, I really like a lot of the players they have. But man, there's two names that jump out at me. Jimmy Garoppolo, who, while good, is good in Shanahan's scheme. And Josh McDaniel, who, man, man, Nick, like I I was a McDaniel guy because I was like, surely he grew from the, you know, the last time in Denver. It does not feel like he did so far through one season. And I just uh, i can't get there right i can't get there but you you, you didn't pick alex bars as your one guy i thought that would be for sure they'd be the know, one guy you thought I of know, with the Raiders. but like it's i just see those two names and i think your quarterback like i think Devonte adams obviously rules i think max crosby is a game changer like we don't need to just go through the top end players but the raiders roster is decently constructed it's just Man, their quarterback is, he might be, for all I know, Garoppolo is going to come here and he's going to have one of those Osweiler games where he just picks apart cover two. And oh, cover don't, three, don't that's do what the that. Bears offer him. Like a lot of this season really does depend on what Alan Williams and Matt Eberflus bring to the table. It can't just be base cover two, base cover three, uh, but the preseasons are always kind of like that. So that's not weird that that's what they did. I'll also give the Bears the win here because... It just feels like it, but they get some weird games coming. I could easily see any of the ones that we've talked about, by the way, just about. I could see them having just a down game, like a, a goose egg game sure, that they yep. lose. Um, and so that's in the range of outcomes we talked about. There's always this range. Exactly. Yep. I think my current record has them at four and three. They could yep. be. They like I totally see your five and two. Four and three feels right at this point in their schedule, but three and four could happen especially because they're coming up against i think one of the most confusing teams to ever talk about and that's the los angeles chargers in los angeles a game that i think you'd agree with me from a talent perspective they should probably lose this but the chargers can make a habit of losing games that they should win (laughs) yep yeah you yeah it's been very interesting with brandon steely there and his decision making it hasn't worked out perfectly he was going to bring in that that fangio scheme and hasn't quite worked out he didn't have the personnel also for this game, again, I'm going to bring this up every time. It's at Los Angeles, and they play the Chargers. They play at 325 the week before, and Chicago does not. But Chicago does have to travel. You know, you got your time zones there. Is I have this one. I have this one as a lost, and um, I'm not going to add a lot in there. We'll just say it's a loss. Were the Chargers and, and, away the week before, or were they at home? Uh, I don't have that on me. That's okay. 
I I do think that makes a bit of a difference just as they travel, get back used to the time change. But I, I'll probably give him a loss just because I'm trying to keep things sane and level. But this is a game I could easily see slipping away from the Chargers. Justin Herbert is outstanding. The fact that the Chargers have been so poor with Justin Herbert as their quarterback for this long tells me that I just don't know how fixable it's going to be when Quentin Johnston, their first round pick, who I like, is getting out competed in camp by somebody else. Like everybody's going to view that as this positive thing because it's quote unquote more about the season that the other guy's having than Quentin Johnston. But man, if you're, if your additions don't even add like, right. When does it get better? And yeah. what Keenan Allen's not going to be his age forever. Like Austin Eckler is pretty much at odds with the team itself. Uh, like you're saying, it feels like a team where the arrow's pointing down, but I'll give him a loss because that keeps us sane. You know what I'm saying? No, I'll <laughs> yeah, give well, him a win. I'll give him a win and meet you where you are. I think that's more fun. Uh, wow. I mean, that, that's a team that's that's been injured like at a, an historically crazy rate like every year. Every so at year. some point you think the Chargers would be healthy, but that's the other part of but this factor. That, I'm That exact conversation applies to their next game as they go into the Superdome. Tough, tough place to play against one of the oldest teams in ball right now, who if they're healthy, I think this is a clear L. But mm. if we get half of the Saints, I don't know. How do you feel? So so I have it as a loss and and, and kind of what you talked about. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people don't like Dennis Allen, the coach. Dennis Allen defenses are top 10 defenses, like, mm -hmm. for a long time. They're talented, time. too. Yep, like yep. And then you add in, and I know they're old, but Carr with, they got a few running backs. They've got Olave. I like a ton. And, and yeah, I know the salary cap is fake crowd with New Orleans. They've lost pieces. They've oh, lost yeah. Marcus Williams. They've lost Teron Armstead. They've lost a lot of pieces, but they still win. I have this as a loss because that's a good team, but also Chicago plays the Chargers the week before on Sunday night football and New Orleans plays at noon. So that's that's a that's a bit of a rest. Now, again, the, the NFL doesn't qualify as a rest advantage unless it's a full day, but that's a chunk, and I'm going to give it to New Orleans because they're at home. And they're going from East Coast to back in their time zone. Like, there's a lot of pieces to this. I also think everybody underrates Carr. We hate Carr. And I don't think Carr is near as bad as a lot of people seem to. And nope. you're giving Carr an outrageously good receiver. Like Chris Olave is a house that Chris built kind of receiver, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And so he just had Andy Dalton chucking the pill to him. And did he win rookie of the year? Or did he get hurt? But he, he should have won rookie of the year and he didn't. But if you look at a lot of the analytics, he should be. But also the one of the best receivers of the recent era is also on that team. He's just been injured a lot. If if Mark Michael Thomas, Thomas can stay mm -hmm. healthy. That changes the whole dynamic of New Orleans. I tend to agree with you. Then they move on to one of my favorite games of the year because I don't know why Carolina, and this one's at home, and it's on Thursday night. These these parts I know. Uh, I don't know why Carolina has been getting so much national attention. It's a team that, uh, yes, it's fun, but they've got a rookie quarterback starting, and we're not going to get into his weight. That's that's a conversation for not now. Um, but like we're, we're talking about a rookie quarterback. We're talking about some terrible terrible receiving weapons like your rookie rookie wide receiver and Jonathan Mingo might be your best option and even then like it's not Christian Watson like Christian Watson may have 1100 yards Mingo I think at his peak probably peaks around 800 maybe 750 something like that like reliable wide receiver two three blend like a better equinamia St. Brown I, I don't hate Jonathan Mingo I just couldn't believe he was taking top 40 
that that's my two cents on it. Oh, 100 percent 100 percent Their offensive line had a really great stretch last year, especially run blocking, but as a pass blocking group, they've never been great. And then their defense has some pieces, but ma'am, I hate saying this because I love Brian Burns, but I'm gonna ask you to shoot from the hip. If you were gonna rank edge rushers, roughly where does Burns fall? Because I don't quite know if he cracks the top 10. There are some aliens at edge rusher. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. I mean, yeah, he's he's on that fringe. I would say like eight to twelve. Mm-hmm. I, I, anyone could debate that. Anybody could debate that. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, they've got they've got Derek Brown, they've got JC Horn, they've got uh the guy whose name Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin. Like they've got some sweet players. And the the defense that they're gonna probably attempt to run, again, it's that Fangio style. Not everybody's gonna implement this well. Like it, it feels to me like the Bears line up and the Bears are the better team. And it feels to me case closed, but well, I, I think it, I think it, it's rather easily the bears are the best team. Cause it, it just, I, I like the coaching staff Frank Wright brought in there in Carolina. That's one thing advantage I would give them, but it feels like they're like duct taping this team. Like here's miles Sanders. Here's Hayden Hurst. Here's Adam Thielen or the ghost of Adam Thielen. Right. Here's DJ shark. Who's hurt already. Here's Jonathan Mingo. Like, like man, they're they're just trying and spending resources, and these guys aren't even that good. And you add in, and I like Bryce Young a lot. I like him in terms of his his character and his poise. I mean, a lot of Tyson Bajant back there. He's just super calm, and he's got some good experience. But I think Chicago is easily going to win this game. But also, if you needed another thing besides them being at home, Carolina plays at three o five the week before. Chicago plays at noon. That's an advantage. Man, this is really, this is making me higher than I should be on a season where I'm really trying to temper my own expectations because then they go into the Detroit game we talked about earlier. You've pretty much talked me into that one being a win, especially because every podcast I listen to very patiently reminds me that the Detroit Lions in that eight win stretch that they had turned the ball over. Do you know how many times, Nick? No. Four total times in eight football games. They were remarkably clean as far as a football operation goes. And while you look at their roster, and Amon Ross St. Brown rules, who's the second receiver that pops on that team? Like, I'm not a Lions hater, but you have Jared Goff, who's shown that he can throw the snot out of a football, even if defense reading isn't exactly his jam. You've got Amon Ross St. Brown that rules, but he better not get hurt. Like, if a horrible specter of football disaster somehow took every receiver in the NF or every team in the NFC North's wide receiver one away, the Bears would suffer the least, which I don't want to say makes them injury proof because we love DJ Moore, but the Bears have depth at receiver that I don't think a lot of the rest of the NFC end has, right? Like it's it's helpful no. in these kinds no. of divisional I mean, games. Well, well, you also have to add in this is after the eight games. So Jamison Williams in theory would be back sure. at this point. So that that's that's an advantage. And I, I like him quite a bit, but Khalif Raymond, I, I mean, he's he's a solid guy, not I, anything special. I loved Jamison Williams's college tape. I haven't heard a positive report out of Motown about Jamison Williams. Not one time. I mean, I was at the combine, Nick. I got eviscerated by Lions Twitter for this, where they somebody asked uh the GM, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, they asked him. The most softball questions. Yes. Uh, they, they asked him the most softball question that they could about Jameson Williams. They said, what's it like having Jameson Williams? Does it make you feel like you got an extra first round pick? And he went, yeah, um, you know, Jameson's got to be accountable with what he's got to be accountable with. And so on and so forth. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. 
what's going on in Detroit right now. But maybe if James Williams isn't the impact that they think he is, they're going to need a ton out of Laporta. And rookie tight ends historically never produce. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going to give this one a W. It clearly we're going with the hope theory just because I'm either going to have to falsify some losses or I'm going to end up way over my own win-loss record. But the rest thing is just too much, assuming the Bears are even remotely healthy. They they have a lot of advantages in this game. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of advantages here. The the one thing is is that um beside you know, besides the Bears playing on Thursday night football the week before and Detroit's on the road in LA playing at 305 the game before, Detroit is at home, Chicago is on the road. I'm gonna make this one a loss. So so right there, you're wondering where this go comes. That's th- go for it. Three out of four losses I have for Chicago but there. Man, we go back to that week 17 game, and it's like Detroit ran an absolute hot load of man coverage, which would be great if the Bears didn't have DJ Moore on the roster. And so yep. if number two can stay healthy, you won't be able to do that. Or they'll try well, and they'll just get stood up. Plus well, you can add in add in Mooney. Add in Claypool as yeah. well. Neither of them were available that game either. Neither of them were there. And so yep. if one of them makes it to that game, you've got two decent man beaters. And I'm not convinced Fields isn't going to be faster on turf. Like, I, who's to say? I mean, that's the turf that he got injured on, hit that one, and then Atlanta's uh, field. So maybe there's yep. some of that too. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Like, I could easily see that one going their way and Lions fans in shambles. But a lot of that's because I see the Lions as a real regression to the mean candidate, which sounds insane because they didn't they didn't have a winning season. But well, no, I do. I do, too, because, I mean, that offense, Ben Johnson's the hot name, you know, but wasn't Kellen Moore the hot name not that long ago? And then he's not an offensive coordinator in Dallas anymore. And there's always these offenses. They're always circle, right? You had talked about like the Fangio and up oh, now things have changed and there's some holes in this Fangio style. Ben Johnson, his offense, there's a lot of data out there now. You don't think defensive coordinators would be like, man, we need to figure this out because they don't have studs out there. Let's figure out how they play action to us, how they schemed us. There's going to be more answers. That offense has to regress right has to in my opinion so I, i'm with you there but the next game is also a turf game at minnesota mm-hmm. and it's an advantage minnesota's coming off of a sunday night football game chicago's playing at noon at detroit this is actually a monday night football game as well but despite all of that and at minnesota i have chicago losing this game so you're wondering where the losses come yep. i have chicago losing four out of five games here in this middle stretch i think that the loss makes sense here i mean the, the main thing with kirk i'm going to say this one time because anybody can get hurt playing football it's a dangerous game older quarterbacks like kirk cousins who i think kirk did i can't remember if i'm here or remembering this correctly but there were two pocket quarterbacks that were shockingly high in quarterback hits taken last year. And if I'm remembering it correctly, feel free to Google this. Fields took the most sacks in 55. And I think Kirk took almost 80 quarterback hits. And if I remember correctly, he's about to be 36 years old. And I don't know how long somebody can sustain that kind of thing. So well, did, did, did you watch the, the Netflix quarterbacking series? Oh gosh. What'd they say? Oh, you didn't watch that? It's pretty good. I mean, I, I mean, need so, to carve yeah. out the nine hours is tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Patrick Mahomes is in it. So he's, you know, the star and right. they follow him all the way to the Super Bowl. Marcus Mariota, which is interesting because it covers him, his ups and downs. And then right. 
Remember he left. Oh, I've heard Atlanta. it's, it's he like raw. I've heard it's like raw about. Yeah, that's, that's something. But then Kirk Cousins is the other one. And the one thing that you walk away from with that, besides Kirk's just, he's a dad, Great like dude. he's just whatever dude, is he's a tough dude. Like he had some rib issues. I mean, they they, they had the, the mic'd up and you could just tell he was fighting through all of those hits. Oh, yeah. But you're right because as you get older, as I know, you don't know this yet, Robert, but you know, the older you get, the harder it is, you're going to get injured more just from random stuff and all of these hits. Like it, it, it compiles. The older you are, as any football player, father time always wins. You're always going to get hurt. Play's going to fall off. And so, yeah, I don't know when it's going to happen for Kirk or, I mean, we, we had just we heard about. Not. We hope it right, won't right. happen. But Remember, there's a reason I didn't talk about this in the week six game. It's because we weren't quite there yet. But uh, okay. it's it's twenty. They're twenty fifth, like you said, or they've got the twenty fifth hard other way around. They've got the twenty fifth easiest schedule, which means that they're going to face some tough defenses. And their offensive line did not get a ton better, if memory serves. They've got Justin Jefferson, and their wide receiver two is a rookie. I mean, I guess you could say it's T.J. Hawkinson. Like, I'm not trying to say that this Minnesota team is, I don't know, headed for disaster or something like that. But the logic lines up to me that stuff's going to go wrong. Right. And mm. one of the easiest sources of stuff could go wrong is a quarterback injury. The pot is calling the kettle black here because Justin Fields has not had a clean injury sheet. Like the Bears could be seeing more of Tyson Badgett than we would ever want to admit. Right. But you tell me if Chicago and Minnesota lined up with their QB twos starting, who do you think has the edge? Oh my gosh. And, and it's Badgett, by the way. You did it again. But yeah, Tyson Badgett for sure is who I, who I would go with. Um, because do you, I mean, God, who is the quarterback to Minnesota? It's not Kellen Mond. Is it who Mannion? Is it? is it still Sean Mannion? See, it's exactly. Not <laughs> like you mentioned. Because there's, there's hype, and it, there's hype not just because we know who Tyson Bajan is. There's hype nationally about Tyson made, or Tyson Bajan. I mean, in my fantasy leagues, there were no way. other guys picking up Tyson Bajan. I was like, hey, hold up. How do you know about I'd this guy? Like, Mullins like, with Jaron like, Hall behind him. So Mullins exactly. is awful. Like exactly. that yeah. works out for them a little bit, but even so like we'll have to, I don't know, man, we'll have to see what happens there, but I'll give them the loss. I'll meet you there. But okay. that easily could become like, I can start to see the case that you're making for the bears may trip and fall into some wins this season. Like yep. who's to say what could happen. And they are weirdly resilient. Like, okay. So, Let's talk about the offense for just a little moment. It's going to be a long show. Whatever. I've accepted it. I hope, I hope you do. I have to listen here. But uh, so the Bears are weirdly resilient on offensive line and at, or on offensive line and receiver, which is going to sound weird. But the way that I look at it is the Bears have three receivers that are really, really solid. And then they have an offensive line that you know what? It's not very good in the first place. So the drop-off from Dan Feeney to Lucas Patrick, the drop-off from, uh, I don't know, Cody Whitehair to Tyree Carter, the drop-off from Braxton Jones to Larry Borum, these aren't positive, but you're going from you're not going from A- minus down to D+. Plus. Does that make any sense? Like, the well, scheme they, has to carry the weight of this anyways. They have depth this year, though. That's the other thing. They actually have depth. They didn't have it last exactly. year. Exactly. You'll drop you'll drop in some cases from C plus down to C minus, but yep. it's gonna have to be a schematic offensive line year, anyways. And that may that's not really a good thing. Like I would love for it to be a, a scheme 
and really good offensive line, yeah. like what the Eagles yeah. has. But we've seen too many of these, Nick. I, I'm I've got it burned into my brain that every 49ers rider, and a lot of them are so smart down in the Bay Area, listed the offensive line as a massive, massive negative heading into the 2022 season because their center, their right guard, and their left guard had played a total of two games in the NFL. Did that offensive line look bad to you last year? I mean, I think it was kind of average. Trent Williams helps out a bunch. Average is great for these kinds of things, isn't it? And so if if the Bears got somehow, by hook or by crook, a below average offensive line, they're, they're weirdly resilient to keeping one. Just because if the scheme's getting him there anyways, it could probably get Jatiri Carter. Yep. It could probably get Lucas Patrick. It could probably get – I don't want to put Doug Kramer in this conversation. Let's just – so <laughs> let's not you. say we did. But uh, then the Bears play the bye week. They they lost this last year, so hopefully they can beat the bye this year. But uh, then they move on. They take on Detroit at home. How are you feeling about that game? Yeah, so, I mean, I know that you were – Fighting and scratching the last one at Detroit for for a, that a one win feels really good. I got to tell you, right? It does. See, it's better than I thought it was. This one I have is a win. Come, coming off of a bye week, Detroit does not have a bye week. Yeah, they have extra time to scheme, extra time to prepare, extra time to get healthy, and it's a noon game, and you're at home, which gives you an advantage already. I have that as a win. So I know everyone's all in the Detroit train. We just kind of talked a ton about Detroit, but this one I have Chicago winning. Anecdotally speaking, I can't remember the last time that Chicago has won off the bye week. Uh, I don't think we did it this last year. No, we definitely didn't because we had a late season bye on a 10-game losing streak. And with the Nagy years, it was just a constant that any any advantage we had pretty much signaled an automatic loss, uh, including timeouts, including bye weeks, including oh, long rest periods. I mean, it was hilarious how bad some of that stuff got like comic writing hilarious i'm gonna book this one as a loss that surprises everybody there's gonna be a couple of these in there this oh, yeah. season the team's yep. just not quite good enough to not lay a few goose eggs to not have a couple cold games mm-hmm. and i think that the bears at this point probably have just enough injuries and the lions are pissed about what happened in the game before that they while they have a rest advantage like the bears stay a little think about it this way the bears stay in more of a season to week to week to week mindset when you've got the Thursday game. I'm starting to wonder mm-hmm. if those mini buys are the perfect bridge of extra rest, but also you stay locked in. With the yep, bye week, you treat it like a week off, right? You take time out, you go talk to your family. Then you mm-hmm. have that Monday moment where you get back into game planning and mm-hmm. some teams come out flat. Not Andy Reid teams, I get it, but some teams do. I kind of need this one. For any win-loss totals to make sense. Not that I've done a great job of keeping track. <laughs> but a season split with Detroit, the way you've described it, with these two massive rest advantage co- advantages yep. coming into the game, only makes sense to me. Then they take mm-hmm. on Cleveland. What's your read on Cleveland? Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, just right now, just keeping track, I, I the Bears are 7-6. and six. Mm-hmm. After starting 5-2, they're 7-6 and six right now. People are talking and, about the playoffs, right? Like, yeah. the, the, the sports radio conversation is either going to be about how Justin Fields is playing really well or that Matt Eberflus is the dude because the Bears are above 500 and pushing right. and pushing, right. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, Cleveland, at this game's at Cleveland, and I think... Cleveland, uh, while Deshaun Watson did play well last year, I think Cleveland could be a sneaky, one of the best teams in the NFL this year. Mm -hmm. I liked what they did in the draft. I love their offensive line. I love Nick Chubb. 
I think Watson is a very good football player. I'm not going to talk about anything else off the field. I like Amari Cooper. I like David Njoku. That I mean, they have they have the alien DN. Okay, Miles Garrett, like mm-hmm. freak on freaks, right? They've built up the rest of that defense around him. I like their corners. They they have they have a very good complete team, and. It's on the road, so I'm giving Cleveland the win on that I'm one. I'm really glad you went this route because I thought you were about to tell me that the Browns were bad because of Deshaun Watson, and I was like, oh, no. no, they aren't. No. Uh-uh, no. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe things go really wrong because Cleveland can't have nice things, but by the same logic, things don't ever go well in Chicago either, well, so I don't subscribe to that. You they, they, could just hand it to, they could just hand the ball to, to Nick Chubb the whole game and beat yeah, Chicago. They'll so. do fine. Massive offensive line advantage. You didn't yep. even mention John Johnson, who I think slaps at safety, let alone mm-hmm. like joke the linebacker. They've got dudes in Cleveland and they're going to be, they're probably going to beat the Bears. I mean, oh, yeah. again, maybe bizarre stuff happens when your quarterback really tanks. I mean, there's only so much you can do about it, but right. we've done a lot of breezing past defensive line disadvantages so far because so many teams are gearing up to pass. For instance, what's Minnesota going to do to bludgeon the Bears on the ground? Like that's a great, it, there are so many of these teams. Like I would be a little more scared of Detroit, but I didn't realize that they were 18th in rushing success last year and they didn't do much to fix it other than drafting Jameer Gibbs, which could be enough. But yep. I think their offensive line just gets a smidgen overrated. Not, not quite great. Right. Just good. Well, and we, and we, and we know David Montgomery's not efficient. So that might no. just even things out. I mean, you want to talk about, I, Dave Montgomery was a great Chicago Bear. David Montgomery at times could look like a Hall of Famer because when he ripped off a 15-yard gain, you'd swear it was 30 because he broke five tackles to do it. But statistically speaking, we're talking about one of the least explosive running backs in football. And I'm not surprised because of what Dan Campbell told us at the Combine when he talked about how his favorite thing, his favorite way to evaluate football are the guys that you know just love football. I have no doubt David Montgomery loves football, but I don't know. There's a whole running back conversation to be had there. Uh, Jameer Gibbs should be dangerous, but that's a young offense banking on a lot of really, really uh, players that could go a lot of different ways. Let's put it that way. Then they take on Arizona at home. How much do you want to talk about this game? (laughs) So they're going to win. One, one, uh, it's a win. A couple other advantages if you need them here. Okay. Chicago is playing Cleveland in a to be determined Saturday game the week before. Arizona's playing at 3.05 on Sunday the week before, so there's an advantage there. And also, this is December in Chicago against a West Coast team that's okay. a warm team. It's a win. Home team, too. I Man, I, have, I do not subscribe to the bear weather theory. Chicago has done poorly in a lot of these December cold weather games, but Arizona's not going to be any better. Like even if Chicago was a bunch of warm weather boys that were only that were like playing really well, it's it's just not going to be an easy game for Arizona, who I just mm-hmm. no, I refuse to believe that they want to win. Like right. it, it's smart, frankly, for Arizona to go chase one of those high price picks. You thought the Bears got a lot for moving down eight spots. Just wait until Caleb Williams is on the other end of that. Like. The Bears should win. This should be one of those games that's going to just be mutually agreed that the Bears should win this football game. And then they host Atlanta, which is a really interesting game because that is a weird football team in terms of how it matches up with Chicago. Don't you think? Yeah, this is so this is one game I really struggle with the win loss because Atlanta is a dome team. 
you know, uh, they they actually have a they have a three hour advantage here. Chicago plays at three twenty five the week before Atlanta's noon. But again, it's Chicago has two home games in a row. Atlanta has to travel, so is that an advantage? But but Atlanta's offensive line, oh my gosh! I mean, if, if I mean if people like Detroit's O line, they're gonna love Atlanta's O line. And now you add in not just Tyler Algier, you add in Bijan Robinson. And you got big physical guys outside that can block. Coming to Chicago in December might not be a big advantage there. It might be almost an advantage for Atlanta because they could run the ball all over Chicago. So with this one, I, I wanted to make this a win for Chicago. I did. And I don't like Atlanta's defense. But I could just see Atlanta running up and down the field on Chicago and play action passing deep because they have to come up and stop the run. I, I have Atlanta winning this game. And you're going to hear, I, I agree with you. I think Atlanta probably has this. And just to build on this a little bit, there's nobody that's going to grow more than a lot of these first-year starter quarterbacks. Maybe some of them play so badly that they get replaced, but I doubt it. And so between this one and bridging to the next game, I would love to beat Green Bay twice. I think you get your best shot at him week one. And by the end of the year, I, d I still don't think Love may be, may be playing at the level of their future quarterback just because of what they stand to gain going in another direction. But I bet a lot of the receivers and tight ends like Musgrave and Reed, et cetera, have gotten a lot better by this point. And whatever the Bears have left, I do I think Green Bay's just got too much of a talent advantage. They play in that kind of weather all the time. It's in Lambeau Field. It's hard for me to sell this one as a win. What do you think? Well, let me try because right now I have Chicago at eight and eight. Even though some of these games, you know, Atlanta could go the other way. I think they you pick up a couple different. earlier in the schedule, but right. go off, please. But let me let me tell you this one, okay? So this is the point in the year. It's the last game of the season. Green Bay's got nothing to play for. My my record for them is going to be non-playoff. It's it's hard to get up the last game of the year when both teams are probably get injured when you're not competing for the playoffs. Now it's just our division rival. That's that's all they have. Maybe I'm playing so I can get a better contract in the offseason. Whatever you want to put it, okay? On top of that, go back to some of my favorite things here, Robert. Let's see if I can't convince you, okay? Chicago plays at noon at home uh -huh. against Atlanta the week before. It's a loss. We talked to, right? It could go either way, but we've it as a loss. Green Bay plays on Sunday night football the week before. That's, who, do, who do they play? Do you know? Oh, man. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I don't have it written down, but Sunday night football. So that game's not going to get done until, what, 10 o'clock? That's a big advantage. I don't want to go all the way here, but from an emotional perspective, if Green Bay lost, like if Green Bay was fighting for the playoffs, let's say that they were seven and nine, and then they lost that game and they fell to seven and ten and it was over, I wonder if they'd be able to put the air back in the balloon. Because what I what's coming to my mind is if Green Bay is decidedly out, right? If they're if they're out by week fifteen in some bizarre shot fruit moment for Bears fans, they could easily get up in week eighteen to be like, not them. We just had this done to us last year. Like, uh, because the Lions did, like, what they could to keep them out, they may pay it forward. But also, also, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, so I, here, here's here's more, okay? That now it's maybe January, right? Right. It's cold both ways, right? Chicago was first in the NFL last year, as you said, in running the ball. 
5.4 yards per carry. Green Bay cannot stop the run. They can't tackle and they can't stop the run. But I know that I know you think like those go hand in hand, but sometimes it's an attitude thing, you know? They're not good at that. So you have the extra rest advantage. I think Chicago is the better record at that point. I have Chicago sweeping Green Bay. Oh man, that would rule. That would rule so bad. I I can't get down enough on the Packers. I can get down on them early, but a lot of guys are going to come back. They're going to play better. And again, these projections get so funny because we don't know who's hurt. I mean, the mm-hmm. the Bears could have had DJ Moore done for the season since week six at this point, or they don't, and they stay remarkably healthy, as happens to some teams that make some or that make bizarre playoff pushes at the end of the year. We don't yep. know. Like, did the Bears deal for somebody at the deadline? Probably not, but maybe. Uh, especially yeah. if the season, if they were, what did you have him five and three at the deadline? Like you could see Ryan Poles' eyes pop out of his head, especially if Chris Jones, true to his word, as ridiculous as it sounds, hasn't played yet for Kansas yep. City at that point. And they go, what are we doing here, man? Like, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. I think it's so funny because as we go through this exercise, I think the Bears have a path from a rest perspective to maybe not make week 18 matter and maybe have Ooh. things buttoned up by then. Like Ooh. maybe they'd be playing for the division and not for the wild card, but maybe. And again, I really entered this trying to be realistic, but it is insane how many of these rest advantages that they have. And they're going up against a lot of teams that are historically super spotty. And so yep. If the Bears, let's say that you and I could pretend that um, football isn't this simple, but let's pretend that passing offense is kind of like a three-point shot and that running – or this is a bad metaphor. Let me just restart. Let's pretend that rushing offense is more consistent than passing offense is. Well, okay, if rushing offense gets you 17 points a week, and that's a ton, gets you 13 points a week, and their passing offense fluctuates between, say – three points on top of that and upwards of 20, then the bears could take some of these games. If they just walked into the chargers stadium and scored like maniacs, like if Justin Fields does take that next step, they're going to have these games where they blow the other team out of the building, which is not good for uh, Minnesota because I don't think their DB room got good enough. And so then you look at like, I don't know, the Lions, for instance, they're betting a lot on Brian Branch, which would be great if rookie DBs weren't so hit and miss, especially Mm -hmm. rookie DBs in the first round, for crying out loud. Like, include him, but he's a second-round pick. So, man, I don't know. I don't know. Like, again, we're in the world of could happen. Will happen? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But that stuff matters. We think about it every week we just don't normally think about it in september or in our case we don't think about it on august 31st and so i can't help looking at this conversation that we're having right now thinking the bears true win-loss record may end up worse than their actual win-loss record who's to say that they will end up deserving it it may not be me but if the bears do win nine games oh my gosh i will plan the parade (laughs) like, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, so I think I think you had them splitting the division three and three. I think I have them as four and two in the division, which would be huge. Like because the Lions are going to run into their own issues as they go through their season, and I can't help but think that the Packers are the X factor. Like I was just listening to the Athletic Football Show's uh, beat writer preview, and they're the Packers beat writer that they had on thinks that the team is headed for a 10 and seven year. 
And it's so funny because as much as you shake your head, Chicago fans are vaguely insinuating the same thing. And well, I think so one I'm of shaking the, my head. Yeah. I'm shaking my head because I listened to the same show when I went on a, a long right. bike ride. Matt Schneidman was the most optimistic you could be about his team the entire show. And I, who is it? Um, Kevin Fishbane or uh, Fishbane. Adam John? Uh, yeah. Fish went on. He was like the most pessimistic you could be. Like it was like the most polar difference you could be. He's like, yeah, you know, fields might not work out, you know? And somebody's like, oh yeah. I mean, oh, Musgrave could be thousand yard guy. You know, Jordan Love's going to be all oh, I'm like, I know. Like, it oh, wasn't, it just wasn't the same level. So it just, it really taints how people would like listen to that. Their, their view of both teams. I really want Green Bay to get their bell rung. If only because it's actually not a hate thing. It's more that I think a lot of their fans live in this awesome dreamland that the Packers have been able to create where you can roll out a tackle you've never heard of. And he's going to be able to block Cleo Mack. I don't know how they do it, but they do yep. it a lot. Like, uh, and so I look at this Packers. T- I just think it's funny that the Packers and the Bears, one of them gets the dream season that they want. And one of them doesn't. And mm-hmm. I don't want that to be us. I've had enough of that being us. I do get it when you talk about guys like Kevin Fishbane. I think Chicago's fan base is so rabid for a winner that they will invent one in the absence of one. And yep. uh, and I think that that would teach beat writers to be tap the brakes guys. Like you start at tap the brakes and then you tap the brakes the next season and then you yeah. tap the brakes the next season and now you're just a negative person. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. and, 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 and what does Green Bay have? They Everybody always works out for them. Every quarterback works out. Every... You know, like, so yeah, I get it, but it, I, I just shook my head because it was just, it was funny listening to it. So oh, it's wild. It's just to say to me that, I don't know, maybe I'm buying into what Schneidman said and I shouldn't be, but the Packers do have talent on this roster. I don't think they're set up to tank well enough. Like, I don't think they could pivot that hard, if that makes sense, without blatantly I, throwing games. I don't want them to have less than five wins. I want Jordan Love to be good enough that they hang on to him. That's where that's where I, I'm at as a Bears fan because I don't want them to get Caleb Williams or be in the and range again, to get Drake May. You know, so, Green Bay fans so, are saying so. Some of the other things to talk about here at the end of our podcast is just like you know, offense, defense, fields, all that kind of stuff. Um, I have some some data. I think that the Bears are going to be better offensive team this year from a few just basic statistics. One is they ran 70 plays below the average offense last year. You know, because you talked about the the points per drive, right? This kind of goes into that same thing. I mean, they they were 20th in the NFL in, in yards per play. 20th right. isn't bad. No, it's not. And they were just below the league average, but they just the defense didn't allow them to stay out there to sustain drives and score more points. So I think that changes this year. I think they're going to be above average offense this year. I have them as 13th overall. There's, How about you? There's a disgusting amount of this offense that comes down to what the overhauled Bears passing game is actually going to look like. The yep. Bears, they, I, they, let's just call it what it is. We could talk about vanilla scheme all we want to. Everybody ran vanilla. The Bears vanilla was one of the worst flavors of vanilla that we saw this preseason. Yep. Now, it's possible that Matt Eberflus, being a hardcore old school style coach, was the hardest core and the most old school about hiding the most stuff. But yeah. what we saw was not good and the best stuff came out of the west coast package that they let tyson bajan run and fields will not run that just more than likely fields doesn't like west coast style ball so i wouldn't expect him to the bears offense needs to bring it 
we need to be having conversations about how we like the Bears scheme. And that can't just mm-hmm. be the running and play action game, which should take a, a really healthy step forward. It should yep. be successful. But it's hard to do that when you're behind the chains. And eventually, the Bears will need a way to dig themselves out of being behind the chains that isn't just and go do something. I'm glad mm-hmm. that works for Arizona. And it did work last year. But this is how we build towards an injury. I would prefer not to. Um, I tend to think that the Bears actually, this is my sane and honest take. 13th makes sense. I think if the Bears get the season they want to, they cracked the top 10. I think if the Bears don't get the season they want to, they finished around 17th, 16, 17th. Like mm-hmm. it's a, because, unfortunately, the Bears' biggest ads were at fill in the blank. What, what position, Nick? Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Offensive line. And the, those wide receiver ads, it stands to reason, will only make the biggest impact if the quarterback takes a step forward throwing the ball and so if if we don't see that step forward we're still going to see a vaguely more productive justin fields but he may not break three thousand yards and if he doesn't i bet you the bears offense will be right around that league average range if you ask me but if he does i struggle to imagine they don't crack the top 10 if only because man what i mean Truly. You no, know, you're just getting me juiced up. I mean, I'm I'm agreeing with you, but I mean, it's now a I'm high excited. leverage season. It's a really high it leverage is. season. Like this could go all kinds of directions, and unironically, the future of the Chicago Bears hangs in the balance. Because mm-hmm. if Justin Fields shows us something, great. If he doesn't show us something, oh man. <laughs> well, I mean, and and like you're talking about, like, okay, let's picture that deep ball to Bayless Jones against Dallas that he drops. I think I could count about the four different receivers that would make that catch. Maybe Villas makes it the next time. Like you keep penciling that in throughout the season. And it's really hard to envision the offense not being above average. Right. And that's where I think a lot of this is going to come down to the field. Like the funny part is I have an easier time talking about like total points or total yards than I do Mm -hmm. where they're going to rank. Cause that's a guess, right? Yeah. How many other good offenses are there going to be in the league? Who's to say? But I don't think the Bears get any higher than ninth, like even in the best of best case scenarios. If they blow me out of the water, again, serve me all the crow. I'll eat every scrap. Like that's crow I am happy to eat. But we'll see. I really am trying not to be too high on things. It's just amazing how high the Bears were with an offensive line that constantly torpedoed the game plan. Like 19th in points per drive, despite an offensive line that gave up six sacks against a Philadelphia team that the Bears were actively trying to avoid passing the ball on is astounding. Like, astounding. The the, the one thing that, and and we'll get to the, the field's rushing yards here in a bit, but the one thing that I think is just phenomenal is you talked about cover zero working against Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a good design runner, Jalen Hurts is a good design runner. Obviously, they're both athletic. Obviously, they both can scramble. Fields is the best scrambler, maybe in NFL history. Not even trying to be just, you know, hot takey, but like he just is. He makes stuff work and happen when things are just messy. He had 949 rushing yards, Robert, in the last 10 games. And he was, you know, that he was beat up some of those games, coming off injuring some of those games. Almost a thousand yards in 10 games. And that was him making it work with a battle line yep. and just figuring it out. And you add that, like, let's say the passing offense is slightly below average, not, you know, 200 attempts below, but the average is slightly below average. Then you add in this crazy guy that can make anything happen. I mean, he 
has almost more potential than any quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's there. And so you add that in, if it comes together, let's say he's not perfect passing the ball and he's just a little Josh Allen where it's like, great play, Whoa. not great play. It's 4,500 yard quarterback. <laughs> right. We're, we're, right. We're going to be, we're, we're going to have a top 10 offense if that comes together. So, so yeah, I think it's going to be phenomenal. So let's tie this in. Okay. Justin Fields passing yards for this year. What do you have? So caveat, most people, I think, are under-projecting Fields' rushing yards because everybody keeps saying, well, I think Fields is going to throw for 3,800 yards. You might. And then they go, well, I can't say he's going to throw or run for 1,000 yards. So then they knock him down. They go, he's going to run for like 650 yards. They give him like a Josh Allen total, right? I think when I watch Justin Fields, yes, I'm pulling a lot off of preseason, but I'm also pulling a lot off of what I thought of his last season because one of the most under-discussed topics, I think, in Bears fandom is – Okay, I'm going to say something a little bit, um, it might be a little glass shattering, so just prepare yourself, was mm-hmm. how how bad the process was on a lot of snaps for Justin Fields. He would stare down a wide open receiver that was running a corner route, and he wouldn't throw it. Because by the time he really clicked to him that he should let the ball go, the window yeah. had passed. It's the NFL. It's tough living out there. But that doesn't mean that some of these throws, in particular, there was a Houston throw, and there was an eagles throw like uh late early and late in the season that fields turned it down and on both plays he ran for something spectacular but the rushing might need to stop i think fields because he was there last year nick takes a step forward this year he looks solid as a passer but like we saw in the preseason game he's gonna lean on his rushing i think to the yep. point where that Josh Allen pop, that Jalen Hurts pop, that I think a lot of people want to see, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens year four, which nobody wants to talk about. I don't even want to talk about. I'd rather get my answers now, wouldn't you? Like, I'd rather see everything congeal right now. I think Fields last year was a year away from being a year away. But this year, I bet you he has another 11, 1,150 yards, might even break the QB rushing record. I think he really leans in. I think everybody's expecting him to lean out. I think he really leans in to that I'm the dude piece of his football game. And as that starts to take over the offense, everything else opens up a little more. And he only throws for 3,200 yards, but not unlike Lamar in his season or in that MVP season, he throws for a ton of touchdowns. I I don't have a number for it because I don't want to get myself too excited, but it wouldn't surprise me if a season a little more like, a1 Lamar Jackson and a little less like Jalen Hurts is coming, despite how bad a lot of people want that Jalen Hurts Josh Allen season. That's just right. how I see it. Right. And so I, I agree with you on on your take that I feel like people are are doubting his rushing yards just because they're they want the they want the math to work out. They do you want know? the math to work out. But but here's the problem with that. The the math works out when you have normal guys happening, you yeah. know? It's it's like okay, here's how big Miles Garrett is. What kind of measurables do you think that's going to have? What he did that like he's an alien. Justin Fields is an alien. Justin Fields okay? is an alien. And so like like I talked about with the rushing yards. Like he just like the, you talked about in the last podcast how many fifty yard runs he had as a quarterback that just like doesn't happen. He does those things, and it's not even something he leaned on in college. It just happened. And I don't know, I don't know how he can't rush for a lot of yards because it's just like, 
okay, there's nobody there. And he wants to. He did it in a preseason game. Gone. Like, yeah. I mean, say what you will, but it's like, there are going to be these times, it just happened, where debatably, Darnell Mooney was coming open and Fields decided, I'm going to run for it anyways. Like, it's right now, it's where he's at. I think it's okay for us to say that because I think there are a lot of people that want him to turn into Patrick Mahomes. They want him to like, you know, blend Justin Fields that we saw in 2022 and also Mac Jones. And I don't know about you, Nick, that just no. seems like asking a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's no, like... Okay. So here's a debate for you though. So you had brought up Jalen Hurts. Okay. Right. So you, there's a little quiz for you live. How many passing yards did Jalen Hurts have last year? Now, again, it was in 15 games. 3,700 yards. Yep, thirty-seven oh one. I have studied so, this a lot. This this one I know. <laughs> okay, yeah. So so that was in twenty-two passing touchdowns, and he ran a lot of those one-yard whatevers. But like, it's not a massive amount, you know, because you not. add in you add in two more games, he's probably at what forty-one hundred, and it's not something that's like not possible. So so I also have Fields rushing for eleven hundred yards because I don't. This sounds bad. I don't know how he can't get eleven hundred yards. If he's healthy, I don't know. When you rush for almost a thousand yards in ten games, how do you not have eleven hundred and seventeen? Exactly. Like it's, it's baffling. So, so that's what I have in terms of rushing. Passing wise, I have him at thirty three oh eight. I think that makes a ton of sense. I can't believe you went down to a four digit number. Like yeah. that's <laughs> Now, <laughs> now, now that I had that as is in sixteen games. Let's say he misses a game, right? Yeah. Or. As you said, maybe they don't play the starters of the last game. 3308. So if he plays all all the all the games, it would be 3515 is what I have broken down. Right. I think that's extremely reasonable. I think we've basically predicted the same thing, to be honest. Like yeah, people I agree. Will, people will split hairs, but I just I struggle to look at Justin Fields with as much change as is happening. I mean, Nick, we didn't talk about this on the last show, but like he his throwing motion is clearly different. Like he's tuning up a lot of different things that are going on in his game. And you know that the feedback loop that Justin Fields has endured so far has been brutal. Throw with anticipation, Jair Alexander picks it off. Run the ball on a play that you should never run on, score a touchdown anyways. Like (laughs) it's been as backwards for a player as it could possibly get. And I struggle to envision that to get to quarterback purity, we don't need a season in the middle where stuff goes right, stuff goes wrong. But so far, DJ Moore got two touches, and (laughs) he took one to the house, and he alien-moded his way out of contact the second time and picked up another 30 yards. The guy's going to make an impact, if you ask me, even if it's just on play-action stuff. Like, that's fine. I mean, in the wide world, I don't know. I don't know. The truth is, Nick, to me, that if Fields looks like what you and I expect him to, there should be a verifiable step forward in what he does. Also, I want to point out, I don't think Justin Fields will look pretty doing a lot of this, to be honest with you. Like, I think he's going to hold onto the football, quote unquote, too long for a lot of people's taste. I think he's going to get a lot of his passing yardage in chunks where where people are going to end games saying, yeah, but if you take out the blank to blank, he ended up at only about 130 yards like Uh on the day. Or they're going to say, this isn't sustainable. And that's not really the point. Because to be honest with you, I don't care what Fields looks like in 2030 today. I care about what he looks like in 2025, longest window possible. Like, if you wanted to talk to me, Nick, about the future, that's as far as I'll go. Like, the Bears want to compete in 2024. They want to win 
in 2025. And if Fields burns hot and the fuse burns short, if we're looking at a Cam Newton-style career, so be it, Nick. We, I will figure it out at the end of the road, right? Yep. I, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater in any circumstance. And if you end up with a good quarterback that plays the game differently, no, I still don't want to play Tyson Bajan just because he plays the game in a way that stylistically, look, look, we got to talk about something I think is brutal, but true. Tyson Bajan came in while the Bills still had most of their first team out on the field. And the offense got shuttered. Because that style of play, distributor ball, is good, but it doesn't stir the drink when no. your offense is slill under talented. And the Bears' offensive line, in my personal opinion, isn't good enough to not have a quarterback that the defense is scared of. And Fields, maybe not as a thrower, but absolutely as a runner, on week one, is going to put the fear of God in some defenses. That changes the calculus. You attack the offensive line differently. Who needs every advantage they could possibly mm-hmm. get, Nick? Well, and, and, and the biggest advantage is when you get in the red zone, near the goal line, when or anywhere, when you go empty. Like, it changes everything. You had talked about like that distributor ball. That quarterback is becoming a dinosaur. The Jared Goffs are becoming a dinosaur. And that's why I'm. it's tough to see it sustained top 10 offenses for year to year to year because those guys are gone. They're, they're looking for Bryce Young's when they can buy time in the pocket, et cetera. It, it's just, it's just changing. Have you, here's a question. So, so moving to receivers, I'm just curious, did you break down receiver yardage at all? I have thought about it. I didn't okay. get to my, I didn't pick out my numbers, but to use an example, I, I came into this, I came into training camp, assuming more would get like 1100. I would take a thousand. Like, I don't think the Bears are going to throw it that many times, but I want a four digit number out of more if I got to choose. Uh, I think Darnell Mooney catches 750 to 800 because that made sense to me. And I had Claypool around 600. But if Claypool takes that step up and gets back to those rookie heights, like this is going to rule. It's just a matter of how, who, and when, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I have it broken down. This is, just, you know, obviously it's estimates, everybody. I have more at what 1050, uh, that range. Um, and I have, I have Mooney and Claypool both at 700. I, Cause I think that we're going to have big plays both ways. One might be better red zone. One might be better in the open fields. I mean, who knows, but I think they both have solid contributing years, but if you have three guys like that, it hurts everybody else. Oh, it hurts I've everybody else. I've, I have Cole Komet at 400. I have all of the running backs combined with dump offs and screens, which has been better this year at 300. Um, I have Tunyon only at 150. Then I have Scott equaling me to St. Brown for combining for about 200 or just over. And this is where, honest to goodness, I sit here and I think that uh, that we're over projecting the current receivers. Like, I think it actually makes sense. Okay, I'm going to say something, Nick, that might make your skin crawl, but just strap in. Right. Uh, I could easily see DJ Moore being like an 850 yard receiver, which would break all of our hearts, but it'd be great per attempt. It would just, the volume would come down because when you listed those running back numbers, I could see him at 550 yards very easily. The bear, I think field's going to check the ball down more than ever. And that quick throw to Khalil Herbert that went straight through his hands to me, that proved Fields sense pressure. And he got the ball out in a friend of mine who coaches like his opinion too fast. Man, I love that. Say what you will. I want mm-hmm. Fields to ditch the ball too quickly. I don't want him to go full check down Charlie. I don't know if he can. But like, if we speed up that clock, running backs in particular are going to pick up a lot 
of yardage and because that's an easy dump off, especially with screens. And so I'm with you. I don't know how the pot's going to end up cooked. Wouldn't surprise me if one of Moore or Mooney stuns us with like a 500 yard year, 400 yard year, something, something low, something gross, right? Yeah. Cause especially if they get vaguely ignored, the, the plan that I had in mind, Nick was fields has this connection built with Mooney and Moore's his dude. And he just kind of yep. forgets about Claypool. But if they built a rapport in camp, which it sounds like they did, then mm-hmm. that may not happen. But, right. you know, we'll see. Yeah. And um, I mean, I just glanced quickly last year. Last year, running backs were at like 400-ish. And that's when, and that's kind of why I, I took running backs down and tight ends down. Because Komet, you just got extended and it's less, mm-hmm. is they only had 400 yards with all the running backs. And Komet, I think, had like 550. That was with... Mooney playing what 12 games Claypool had 67 pass snaps. Is it everybody get that MCL? Don't forget about that. And that's all they could get. So, so now even if the bigger pie, you add more and a healthy Claypool and maybe a healthy Mooney, hopefully all year long, those numbers aren't going to be very high. Um, Defense. Okay. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this. this is a pretty long podcast, but defensively, We've talked about the concerns with the rush defense. We've talked about the concerns about getting after the quarterback and how they prefer these DNs that maybe are better against the run than not as much as good against, you know, pass rush. That's what we want. We like the linebackers. We like all the potential on the back end. The back seven, I think, is the heart of this defense. They were 32nd in the NFL last year. Yep. They were terrible. We talked through all the numbers earlier. I have them jumping up this year to 20th that would be a massive jump i think if the bears win i think if the bears defense is 20th by hook or by crook they win nine games i honestly do nick to me okay so you ever heard of the enneagram i've heard of it yeah okay so you know how the whole concept of the enneagram is that there are like nine core personality types but more importantly you are a number let's say you're three and when you are unhealthy you switch to a different one and you become like a six. I know mm-hmm. a lot about the Enneagram. So just yeah, yeah, yeah. you know more, you know more than I do. I, I, I remember this when I, back when I was dating and like, right. it was like in the dating profiles and I'm like, I haven't done this, but I know what it is. That is literally all I need you to think about is this idea of you are one thing. And then when you are unhealthy, you switch to something else. The okay. bears defense, when you can't stop the run, doesn't play its defense. It plays this. I'm trying not to use the hot button word that I'm thinking of. It plays this um, very far inferior version of their defense where there's just not near as much disguise that you can run because there is no question about whether the Bears are playing single high or not. They're playing single high. They need eight in the box. And mm-hmm. not to mention their linebackers start flowing to, to the run action too quickly because they don't trust their defensive line. And you get gashed by play action attacks just like we saw the Packers just gash the Bears again and again in that week two game. Now, a lot more of the players, I'm talking to you, Kyler Gordon. I'm talking to you, uh, corners. I'm talking to, I guess, everybody but the linebackers, right, are experienced enough in this defense that I don't think that they'll have that problem. Tremaine Edmonds, for instance, has very well-trained play-action instincts, like run or like flow, slow to the run, but still in the direction of your gap, then get back into coverage. And that should help the Bears a lot, but... Man, they will go as far as the defensive line takes them. Like, I am hoping, I think 20th is a great spot. I'm expecting, like, 27th. Like, Nick, I'm I'm worried. 
not yeah no i i get it but so i mean here's the other part okay nfl last year teams ran the ball at the best rate in terms of rushing yards per carry in nfl history but what do we hear about do we hear about man say this the chargers need to run the ball more oh man the packers need to run the ball more uh no if, one talks about running. They talk about passing. It's fun. Let's throw it all over the place. So in my opinion, the Bears built their defense to stop the pass without the pass rush, right? Look, and kind of like close out the rushing lanes for quarterbacks to scramble from and just kind of slowly squeeze out. And they have these versatile guys in the inside with Gordon and the linebackers. So I think the popularity of the pass is going to help them a little bit here. And yeah, they could be 27th. And I talked about earlier, go ahead. I can think of two teams, two, that leaned on the run game against the Bears. It was the Packers, who, especially in that first game, just bludgeoned the Bears with the run game. And then later in the season, I can remember that the Bills were like, we are in a tight game with the Bears. What are we doing? And pulled their heads out of their rear end and started running the ball like crazy in the second half and put distance between yep. themselves yep. and Chicago. Yeah, like, the Bears were winning that game. That, I, 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 I couldn't believe the Bears were beating the Bills at one point. I'm it, like, it was don't insane. mess up your pick this much. It was meltdown level. Like, it was yeah. it was bad. I mean, say what you will about the Matt Eberflus defense. I don't schematically like it, but which is more likely, that they hosted two off games by Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen? or that there's something to this. I still right. think it's the prior. I think a lot of teams started to take a week off against this team that was you losing could. a billion you could. teams. But, 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 but it's, like, it's possible. a lot of teams. Green Bay was another one. They were rolling coming into that Bears game. And then the offense couldn't do anything. They needed everything going their way to get back into that one. I don't know, man. Like, because then you look at Dak, you look at Tua, they shredded the Bears. Like, they had no trouble. Mm -hmm. With the Bears throwing the holes. But it, anyways, all this to say that there weren't that many teams that just sat down and ran the snot out of the football. And a lot of the teams that did kill the Bears killed them over the middle. And TJ Edwards has looked better than advertised. And I advertised him pretty highly. And Tremaine Edmonds, it, he doesn't look as big in a Bears uniform as he did in a Bills uniform. Not yet, at <laughs> least. But we're getting there. It's, like, it's slimming. It's the dark, you know, I slimming. want to see that guy, Nick, that you watched on the All-22 and you swore he was 10 feet long. Like, oh, yeah. it's it's crazy what Edmonds did in a Bills uniform. And he can do it in Chicago. We just need mm -hmm. to see it. I don't think he... Anyways, that's a whole separate conversation. But so, I look at this Bears defense and I see how they could succeed. I just need to let those offenses across from them make mistakes and let them end up 20th for all the reasons that you're talking about. Because if this was Madden, somebody would just run the piss out of the ball, and they would beat yeah. me. But it isn't Madden. But they these don't. In Madden, they pass too. They, these teams love their quarterbacks. These they teams do. love throwing the football. Carolina is actually a modest worry, but they don't have, like, who's their current running back? Miles Sanders? Like, yep. the Eagles didn't trust him to beat the tar yep. out of the Bears. Like, it's... It gets so weird. <laughs> it does. So, maybe, so maybe this is how the Raiders that, beat us. Maybe, so maybe some, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders come to town right. and just grind the Bears into into dust. But right. I mean, that's well, I mean, maybe. 
Washington doesn't run the ball well. They don't have great running backs. So they did well, the, last year. They did like the, what was it? Mm. What's his name? Scott. It's not Scott Foster, is it? The OC. Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, it is. Like he was doing a great. He was doing amazing things in that run game, but they didn't lean on it. Like, no, it's, no. Well, and and you knew Chicago was bad at stopping the run. Because you looked at the stats from the whole year and the team still didn't do it. This might be something else that might help you out, okay? Despite being terrible, Chicago was tied for the fourth least defensive penalties in the NFL last year. And they were only 13th worst in starting field position, which I thought was actually a lot worse than that, which is actually kind of phenomenal. So The Bears gained yards last year. Like, their offense was actually... Pretty healthy as right. considering that they were labeled one of the worst offenses in the NFL, they were constantly moving the rock. Like other bad teams, not unlike Washington, went three and out all the time, not Chicago. And so I do think one thing that, okay, so building on this, right? The Bears defense right now seems pretty set up to do exactly what they did against Buffalo, right? Get to third down. Even if it's not third and very long, get to third down and bet on math that they can't convert them all. And it's funny because against teams like Buffalo, I'm looking at you, Kansas City, I think they'll get shredded, right? But they play Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Like, they play... They play Jared a Goff. super hit and miss and like yep. couple teams across their roster. Like how yep. many third downs is love going to convert? Like probably some, mm-hmm. probably some, but some, yeah. But I, I mean, to, to have a young quarterback consistently make all good decisions, like it's tough for me to see. And then plus, I mean, I, I know you talked about this earlier, but I'm going to reiterate this. So Matt Eberflus led defenses, their end of season rank ninth, 10th, 18th, and 10th. And Chicago has six new starters on this defense yes. from the opening day last year to opening day this year. It's a almost brand new. I mean, you have the DBs now at Stevenson instead of Vildor. And that unit's about the same, but linebackers on up. The only guy left is Justin Jones. I mean, I know Sanborn, but that was late in the year. I so am, it's a brand new defense. I am begging. I am begging teams to throw at number four more often. You won't find a more stalwart Eddie Jackson fan than me on the internet, mm-hmm. more than likely. I think I might like Eddie Jackson more than his parents do. Like, as a, as a football player, I think he is so much fun watching him take up space, like kill coverage or kill passing attacks and all the different things that he does at safety. That could well, be a whole conversation if you disagree. The d- point didn't is- have him at the end of the year either, Robert. No, I mean, I mean, no, Jeff Je- got hurt. Didn't have him at the end of the year. Maybe that Green Bay game goes differently. Maybe they beat Detroit. I mean, later, you it's know? possible. And, and I look at a lot of this stuff and I think to myself, it really is like the moment that teams gimp themselves. Cause I remember this, I was there 20, not literally, but like I watched the 2020, 2020 game when Nick Foles sty- or like bowed up against the Tom Brady Buccaneers that would go on to win the Super Bowl. And Ronald Jones, I think it was carried the pill for 6.8 yards per carry. And the Bucks lost. Because Bruce yep. Arians wouldn't run it. Like, yep. they they had every advantage on the ground. And everybody mm-hmm. points back to Tom Brady forgetting the fourth down. The coach forgot which part of his offense was working. And yep. if the Bears run into a bunch of that, I don't trust Green Bay to do that. I think Green Bay is one of... It, you might argue, Nick, Green Bay is the nightmare matchup for them. Green Bay and the Raiders. Because these are teams that like their running game. But teams yep. like Minnesota 
that don't love their running game might be quick to get away from it and they're gonna struggle if that makes sense i would be more afraid if green bay their offensive line and their rookie tight ends were good run blockers but they're not right i i I don't know their the green bay's whole running game could be different because they don't have uh what's his name this aaron Rodgers guy at quarterback (laughs) and defense is having to respect remember remember the most annoying thing with Rodgers? he'd be in this this run and then he would just look and be like, oh, that corner's off. And he would hike it quick and then throw it to the receiver, yep. like a screen that wasn't even meant to be a smoke screen. Yes. But he would make it one. He added all of those elements that had struck fear, not in just the Bears defense, the entire NFL. Gone. You think that teams are not going to respect the run the same? They're not going to respect all of the other things the same? The play fakes, the audibles, all of that's different. I know now it's going to be the true Matt LaFleur offense. But you know what? The Matt LaFleur offense didn't look so good in Tennessee before he got to Green Bay. We I, need to see what happens here. I, I'm just not sure that that Luke Musgrave is going to be the same as Mercedes Lewis. It'll take time. I mean, not as blocker. Not at all as no. a blocker. Like, no. everybody's loving on Musgrave. Historically speaking, tight ends really struggle as rookies, especially second-round yep. tight ends. Like, we're going big data. We haven't gotten a lot of guys like him. but uh, So it could easily be different. But I, I don't know, man, like, I think I'm going to be high on Green Bay until the moment they lose to us. And then at that point, I will just get really talkative, just like a lot of other Bears fans. But because part of me doesn't want to wish the devil on myself, to be honest with you, I see talent on this Packers team. And the moment it works out, like all the data says it should good because it hasn't in the past. I've been there when the Packers were starting two backup tackles and we somehow still didn't pressure Aaron Rodgers. You know what I'm saying? Like Aaron Rodgers, the good thing. The best part to me about this Bears season that I look at right before we get to our last two categories um, is that the Bears on accident. Okay, so one more metaphor. Chick-fil-A. My wife has celiac disease. That means she can't eat gluten down to the molecular level. We can't even have cross-contamination, right? And on accident, Chick-fil-A doesn't have any cross-contamination because they fry their fries in peanut oil to make them taste like they do. And that means that they accidentally have separate fryers for their chicken and their fries. So it just works out, right? In the same way, I don't think the Bears intended to invent a fashion-forward offense, but this wide-hitting, aggressive quarterback-plus running back run game that they have is the answer to too high. There's no way it isn't. Like, it, it is as too high is revolutionizing the the NFL every time teams like Atlanta, every time teams like Miami switched to too high, they got bludgeoned on the ground because the moment they did, the Bears would call uh, something for Justin Fields to run the football or they'd call something where Justin drew a defender or two and suddenly the Bears were hat on hat or plus one in the running game by default. Like Mm -hmm. the Bears have an offense that I wouldn't exactly call modern because there are a lot of offenses that we would look at and we would call them more modern than the bears but because of justin field's rush threat it's showing up as the perfect time i mean it really is because quarterback running i'm convinced is going to run a lot of these new too high defenses over because those defenses are built to get mahomes to pull the ball down they're built to keep kirk cousins in check they're built to stop joe burrow they're not built to stop michael vick like I'm no. and that's not a great thing because Michael Vick never cracked 3000 yards but I think if Fields was Vick for a season to use an example he may win MVP I mean he really might 
because I think a lot of those throwing lanes will be that much more open. It mm-hmm. doesn't take a perfect ball to hit DJ Moore when you've got five yards of separation, but no. and, maybe I'm just too excited. And, and add in Robert that like, let's say the play design wasn't so great. Let's say the execution wasn't so great. Then you have arguably the most athletic quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. I'm just going to make this happen. Like, I don't know. Fields his rookie year on fourth down against the 49ers when it was a terrible play and he slips and he's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to reverse field. And then Jason Peters, can you just knock out Fred Warner here? I'm just going to score a touchdown. Like he just can make that happen. Like it's the Trump card on top of everything. When you have a complete freak at the most important position in all of sports. And everybody keeps talking about how poor fields looked in week three of the preseason. I, I'm one of them. I was too nice. Like, and that's okay. Uh, Cause I was pointing out how I thought some of his process got a little bit better. I'll tell you what, you know, that slant you can run in Madden where you hit the like very late window and turn the slant into a post that everybody does in the video game, but they don't do in real life. You know the one I'm talking about where like yeah. the slant happens and you just sit on it for an absurdly long time. Fields yep. will be able to do that. Like on these play action attacks where it's like an RPO style play action fake. And then fields doesn't throw it for way too long. DJ Moore's just going to keep running. And like, he's going to be really open on some mm-hmm. of them where the timing looks way off. You're not hitting him on the body on the break, but we saw DJ Moore pull in some outrageous catches. Everybody talked about how DJ Moore pulled off that or pulled that ball basically off the turf, had to go down to a knee to go get it in preseason week three. I must've missed the 30 yards of yak that he picked up afterwards anyways, as if somehow that slowed him down. Like Nick, I just, I see too many pieces within this offense for if fields stays the same there should be fireworks let alone if he takes a step forward what the bears can't have is fields's process do that whole like it gets uh, it gets worse before it gets better thing because if it gets worse he may not be given the time to get better so we just we need to see either better or what we what we had and if he does that man i don't know like i could be the doomiest doomer about the preseason they're going to use a lot of play action. They're going to run crack toss. They're going to run a G lead. They're going to run a bunch of stuff that's going to spring leaks in a Green Bay defense, among others. And they're going to, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, 100%. I mean, it's, and it's one of those things where not, we talked about this 98 quarterback rating for nine weeks last year with bad receivers, with bad O line. Now you add in just these little things, even if he maintains that he could have a season that's better than what Lamar Jackson had. That's better than, I mean, he could be at the level of Jay Lawrence. That's why like this leap isn't like, well, you know what? If we just have his best season at Ohio state and then his best rushing season, we're just going to mix all this stuff together. Like you have DJ Moore. He's there. I mean, PFF ranked Chicago's wide receivers or, or receiving units 32nd last year, which I get it. They ranked them 13th this year. That's a huge step. That's a huge jump. Like, it's not like we're making this stuff up. So it can be something completely different on offense with personnel. And if Fields just plays mediocre, it's it takes off like another stratosphere. Okay, two two last things because it's a super long podcast. Who's leading the Bears in sacks in 2023? Chris? No, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so it, 
If I'm being legit, I think that Demarcus Walker creates the most pressure and Yannick Ngakwe picks up the most sacks. So that's with Walker kicking inside a bunch and he'll flush the quarterback out to the backside of the pocket where Yannick will be. Actually, he was supposed to be getting pushed around the back of the pocket, but suddenly the quarterback shows up right in his face, right? Like Yannick has picked up a bunch of cheap sacks his entire career, but he's going to keep going for him and he's going to get a few of them. And so that's who I have. I think Justin Jones sits in the running for me, if only because the Bears love to feature that three-tech position. But in the real world, I don't think Justin's going to play it. I think that's going to be DeMarcus Walker. I think that's what they signed him to do, right. to be right. honest. And so... Well, or- or, yeah. or they go double, or they go double three tech on pass rush downs. Double three tech on pass rush downs, and I mean, I think they're going to bring Dom Rob onto the field for the rush downs because obviously they didn't think Terrell Lewis or Travis Gibson was going to do it. And Dom Rob's long arm is a thing. Plus, I I don't think it's going to be Raheem Green. I just don't. And right. so, right. I I feel safe with Yannick. It's the easy pick for a reason. What about you? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, yeah. as much as I wanted to pick, you know, something else is a flashy creative. pick. As long, as long as it's not Jaquan Brisker this year, I think it's a positive for the Bears right. defense. But yeah, I'm going to pick Yannick Ngakwe as well. I mean, it's it's what he does, even though his pressure rate has decreased as his careers went on. This is what you're there for. When it's third and long, he's on the field because he knows this is what you pay me money to do. So he's going to deliver that. I don't know that he's going to reach the threshold of eight like he always does. Let's hope so. Hope so. But I don't know. Ask me the next question. <laughs> so I already know the answer to your next question. Okay. I have a different answer. But anyways, the next question is who leads the Chicago Bears at interceptions in 2023, Robert? Jalen Johnson. Call it a vibe, man. I know I'm shocking you. I thought it would be Eddie Jackson too, but I suddenly changed my mind where I think Jalen Johnson with an with a corner two and a Kyler Gordon and a and a Tremaine Edmonds that don't suck, right? Like you've got a corner two that isn't Kendall Vildor. You've got an inside corner that isn't going to give up a ton of space. You won't get that slant to, to uh, Stefan Diggs on third and two every time you try it. I've watched that one back. Gordon was too close. Like the diving play that he had, like it's, it's not going to be easy. And while I think this does favor Eddie Jackson, I still think he's got too much of a reputation. Like Eddie Jackson picked off the ball too many times last year. And we saw this in 2019. If you remember way back then, after 18, people would take a sack over throwing at Eddie Jackson. If they saw what what became number four later at the time, uh, was it? I can't remember his number all of a sudden. Like 39. uh, Was it 30? Yeah, it was 39. If they saw 39 in an area code, they just look somewhere else. Like Kirk Cousins was terrified of the man. I don't blame him. That uh, that that he had on him. That highlight was everywhere. So I actually think the ball ends up going back towards the number one receiver who Jalen Johnson will be on. And it wouldn't surprise me because I like Jalen Johnson if he fights through and picks off a couple passes. He doesn't need a million. Like, I still don't see this defense being pressure heavy enough to take away the ball at a above average rate, especially because they aren't so far from what we've seen. They aren't a defense that does things to influence that. To use right. an example, yeah. Brian Flores' defense should take the ball away. They might lead the league in explosives against, but they should take the ball away. The yeah. Bears are going to try to limit those explosive against, but it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Johnson picks off four passes, right? Something that's so he- not that many. But it'll, so lead, it'll lead the team. Right. So here's what's funny. You picked 
Jalen Johnson because they're going to throw away from Eddie Jackson, right? Right. I Jalen Johnson just hasn't picked off many passes in no, his career, hasn't. so I can't Outside go with of him. the game where he picked off two because he finally got some attention. Right, yeah. But if I'm looking at the Bears' secondary, right. Jalen Johnson's the best cover guy, man-to-man. Eddie Jackson's the best overall cover guy. Did you pick who I think you did? Kyler Gordon, better, sticky in the Definitely. slot. Tough for that guy to lead the, the team in interceptions. Right. So so what's it been for like years? It's been like, who am I going to throw to? Oh, Kindleville door. Let's keep loading this guy up and throwing tons I of targets. Stevenson, away. didn't you? I'm picking Stevenson Man, to lead be the team in interceptions <laughs> because he's going to get so many, get so many opportunities that way. And I feel like he's a guy that doesn't, he still has, he's going to let up big plays. He has a lot of confidence. But he already had one interception. He should have had two in preseason because he's got these long arms. I think that he's going to surprise because of all of the targets his way and lead the team interceptions. That pick he had was, by the way, phenomenal, in my opinion. The first one was a bad throw. The second one, I loved the fact that Stevenson, so Stevenson's playing trail. I know you know this, but just for the viewers that are listening, um, Stevenson's playing trail and he's beat on a deep route downfield, but the reason you'll play trail coverage or recover the way he did, because he may have been playing a different technique, but got beat and switched to trail is because if the trail route breaks, you're underneath it by default. Mm -hmm. There's a reason Stevenson is literally, if you go back, he is watching where the receiver is because the sideline only has so much space. How do you think he caught the ball? It's because he turned around knowing the ball had to be at blank place and just accepted it into his body. Like, mm-hmm. this is a guy that knows how to take the ball away. And yep. he's play- he's got the sidelines to work with. Kyler Gordon didn't. I thought Kyler Gordon was basically about as hung out to dry as any corner could be in the NFL last year. Yes. Because not only did he get no linebacker help with the way that the coverage scheme worked out, but slot guys could run for three and a half seconds wherever they wanted to, and Kyler had to stop him. With Tyreek Stevenson, he gets beat on that play that he picked off if the sideline doesn't exist. I have mm-hmm. bad news for offenses. It does. And so Stevenson may end up kind of having like, I could understand if he did, Nick, I would imagine he's going to have a Trayvon Diggs style year, like an earlier Trayvon Diggs style year where he gives up, oh gosh, so many yards, like a disgusting amount of yards, but he picks off like six passes or something Mm -hmm. like that. I I could see that. I really could. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's why it might be a little surprising that Eddie Jackson's the guy that I thought. 95% 95% sure you were going to pick him and you didn't. Well, but I, I would, but teams will play scared of Ejax. Like it doesn't I, take much because, okay. So there was an interview with somebody uh, about a year and a half ago. So relatively recent while people were forgetting that Eddie Jackson existed and they asked yeah. him, okay, uh, who do you think is best cover for safety in the NFL? The guy responded, Eddie Jackson, like the players know is the yeah. way I would put it. And yes, he's 30. Maybe he falls off. But he's an instincts-based player. It's never been about athleticism for him. And now he knows I, the game better than ever. I'm just concerned. And this is, I, I thought he could have been a cap casualty. I just hope that foot's healthy. That's the one it, thing I hope I'm concerned too. with. I hope it's healthy, too. I mean, yeah. the day Eddie Jackson gets cut or isn't signed anymore will be a sad day in the Schmitz house. But that's yeah. how it goes. I mean, I, I think Jaquan Brisker is going to get thrown out a decent amount. But I want to believe that he'll get in front of the ball. Uh, I, I do think the Bears defensive back seven is pretty solid. 
Like mm-hmm. we'll need to get to the point where they're not getting ripped up by Buffalo's short passing game. But at the same time, football games are freaking long for a reason. Like I, I, we can laugh as much as we want to Nick, but like, okay, you scored on the opening drive. That's not a weird occurrence. Like no. a lot of times teams don't have the same sense of timing when they trot out the second drive or the third drive or the fourth drive. And if I'm going to give Eberflus and Alan Williams, some serious credit. They tailor the hell out of their scheme. Like they are the kinds of guys who will go, okay, so you know how your landmark was the hash. Don't stand on the hash. You're going to stand two steps to, or two steps to the right. Cause that's where they're curling on you. You sit there, you may pick up a pass. Uh, and well, and then, then you, then you add in that you have all of this experience from two guys that called the defenses in the middle of your defense now with Edwards and Edmonds, and it's going to show like just shorten passing lanes. And you just think that those instincts are going to lead to tip passes, interceptions, like it has last year for that team. I think, I mean, they, I think they combined with either picking off or deflecting and causing, I think like what four or five interceptions, just those two linebackers last year. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what they do, but we have officially hit Nick the a quick back of the napkin math, the 135 minute mark on this prediction show. Hey, it's about as in-depth of a bear prediction show as you're going to find, which I'll take because it's long as snot. But if you enjoy the show, please do let us know. Like you can watch this one over a matter of days. Uh, Certainly it sounds like you may need to, but Nick, do you have anything as you are spinning up and getting, or getting ready for this season? Um, I think that this season is going to be, an exciting season for Chicago. And as we've talked about, you know, it could be great. It could be inconsistent, but no matter what, at least there's pieces in place to have bear fans, myself, yourself excited for this season. It's probably not going to be great in terms of, you know, going to the championship game, but it's not going to be bad. Like last year, there's going to be great games. There's going to be down games. Just, ride with us okay we're going to be bringing you a ton of content because we're we going are. to be excited just like you so so tune in follow us on twitter you know the bears blog there's lots of content we'll put out there uh but it'll just it'll be a fun season i'm glad we're doing this robert i'm pumped nick i have too much emotionally invested on the line i got into talking about the bears and becoming a part of independent media blah, uh about right after the 2018 season and all i have covered This doesn't even include 2019. All I have covered are teams where the fans are checked out by week 11. And all I want is a team where that's not the case. Like, not just for my own whatever. Like, I want to follow a Bears team that's relevant. I don't... Dan Weederer last year acted like meaningful December football is hard. Teams with five wins going into December are playing meaningful December football. This is a low bar, Nick. And I just... For the Bears to lose six games, which is possible, a lot would have to go wrong. The offensive line would have... What? Oh, sorry. Yeah. For the Bears to win six games, a lot would have to go wrong. Justin Fields would need to, like, take a step back, basically. The passing game would need to overshadow the rushing game. Like, they'd need to basically get lost in the sauce of their receivers and try to throw the ball too often, despite maybe Fields not looking comfortable. Think preseason week three, but worse. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the defense would have to be every bit as bad as advertised with the defensive line polluting like the whole product. The problem is as doomer a mindset as that is, Nick, it doesn't 
it doesn't get borne out by like historical precedent and numbers. Like I right. promise I'm scared, right? Like the Packers just had a clean preseason. Say what we will about how unrealistic it seems. It was nice. You know what I mean? And the Bears, on the other hand, had a kind of rocky preseason, which was self-inflicted because first game looked great, but then they didn't play fields in the second game. And the third game, it felt like they were intentionally working there. We're down 14 offense. Hey, that's fine. And you don't have to announce it, right? And it had, or it was rusty. Who cares? The passing downs don't matter. You know what I'm saying? But like my whole final thought on this prediction is I want to be low on the Bears for once. I really do. Like we, we just went through something where we're pretty high on the bears. Like the, the exercises, we went through the overall yeah, record, yep. talking through everything. That's allowed to be pretty high, but for once I want to set the bar low and see the team overachieve it. I don't care if it's one year, give me even one year. Like yeah, yeah. if, if you asked me right now, Nick, I'm one of the only people that would take this deal. If you said, Robert, you have a choice between 10 years of 10 wins minimum, but you'll never win the Super Bowl. You, you may win playoff games. Maybe you won't. But you'll never win the Super Bowl, but you'll get 10 years of winning football or nine years of being a bottom five team with a Super Bowl championship somewhere in the middle of it, kind of out of nowhere. That last one sounds terrible. Time, <laughs> time passes too slowly, man. It yeah, has been too yeah. long since I watched the Bears play a game, let alone if you tried to ask me about what it was like to be at week one where I, my son had just been born. He's one now. Right? Like a year's a long time. <laughs> That's almost the pull quote that I would stick with. And if I got to choose, I just want the Bears to give us a fun football season. That's yep. what it's about, right? Yep. It, it, I agree. It is about entertainment at the end of the day. Entertain us. It should be fun. It yeah. really should be. But if the Packers are the team where everything should go wrong and it doesn't, the Bears lately have been the team where everything should go better, but it doesn't. And yep. so they need to break the trend. Reverse the curse, Nick. Reverse the curse. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Like the, the odds have to realign at some point. And, and again, I live in Wisconsin in my lifetime. And if they don't, it's going to be super painful. But um, I, I think we've been doing this podcast for like two and a half hours. Haven't it's two we? hours and 20 minutes specifically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 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 so if you're still with us, we love you. Okay. Yes. Let us know, give us follows what you guys want out of this podcast too. Cause we'll, you know, ask questions of you guys. Uh, we want to deliver a product that you guys want. So yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun this year. Yeah. I know we're going to get at least one comment after what I'm right about to say about how, no, it's not too long. It's a little too long and that's okay. <laughs> like, uh, but split this one up over multiple days. I mean, this one is one that I think Nick, you and I are really proud of. We didn't stop the conversation and that was an intentional thing. Like yep. why, why derail something that we think is good. We believe in this and we really want to put together the best bears podcast that we can. So do comment. If you like it, uh, subscribe to whatever podcasting app you prefer. If we're not on your favorite podcasting app, shout at me on Twitter or yell at me in the YouTube comments. I listen uh, to things that shout at me, unfortunately. Um, but so we love you guys. Thanks so much for hanging with us. Bear down, and we'll see you next time.